mystery guest coming in hot. I don't know who this is, but we're going to see what they picked. Hamilton, Lynn manuel Miranda, and the original Broadway cast. Dang, now I have zero idea. Hamilton. I've never seen Hamilton. I've never listened to Hamilton. So I think I saw him on Ellen or something, but anyway, should be interesting. Welcome to Min Tracks, the dueling album review show about expanding your musical horizons. I'm your host, Matt Helgeson, joined today, as always, by my producer, Jason Daphnis. Hello. And we have a couple of very special guests, uh, Min Max, Svengali, Ben Hansen. Hello. I don't know if I count as very special. I'm like the least special member of MinMax, but yes, the, go on, like Helgeson. The... Thank you for having me. Chief you're... Humble Officer. Yeah, you're like, you're, you run the show. Um, oh, gosh. And we are uh, very excited to be joined by um, someone that's uh, a very successful and uh, important person in the world of Broadway, uh, Alex Bagnello. Uh Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate being called uh, important. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel powerful. You mm. depraved uh, bastard. Thank you. No, uh, I really, really appreciate uh, everything you said just then about me being important. Well, I mean, um, you know, I looked up, you know, I was on your Wikipedia. You won a Tony. I mean, that's got to be right. It's true. That's, it's true. I did not, uh, not, not for acting, but for uh, actually for producing a show called Hades Town this last year, uh, which was a totally different whole deal. But uh, I mean, geez, Hades Town, Hades Town could actually receive its own whole ass treatment that we're giving Hamilton today, but we could talk about that later. But uh, yeah, some people listening might know me from uh, a show called Spring Awakening. They might know me from, uh, I just recently, right before all this, you know, pandemic stuff happened, had finished uh, a two-year run in Dear Evan Hansen uh, on Broadway as well. And some people might uh, know me from, I've showed up on Giant Bomb a couple times, uh, you know, which I think is how <laughs> that, you guys found me. The most prestigious thing that you've ever done. The most, the most <laughs> prestigious. Yes, the, the Tony was second. Giant bomb. Close second. Um, yes, that is correct. And also, you have sort of a tie to Lin Manuel Miranda, the uh, the creator of y- Hamilton, correct? Yes, that uh, that that guy who nobody's ever heard of. Uh, yes, I did uh, a few years back. One of my first jobs uh, in New York as an uh, actor in the theater was a show that he wrote called Twenty One Chump Street. It was a uh, fifteen minute long musical that. Um, if you're familiar with This American Life, the uh, NPR show, they basically wanted to do a one-night event where they um, had stories from the the show, the radio show over the years, be told through different forms of, of art. So, like, Mike Birbiglia, uh, great comedian, did did a, you know, a, a comedy set based on one of the stories that he told, or there was, like, a, a full-on, like, radio drama, uh, and Lynn wrote a 15-minute musical uh called 21 chump street you can check it out uh pretty easily i think the whole thing might just be on youtube it's a uh, an excellent way to spend uh to spend to spend 15 minutes uh i was in it uh lynn himself was in it uh anthony ramos uh who is also in hamilton uh was in it and uh yeah some other great actors too but I, uh, it's, a, it's a fun little thing i watched it today it's very fun isn't it isn't doesn't isn't that story so sad it's, it's totally a true story it's a very tragic story yeah, I won't. I guess I won't spoil it in case anyone listening wants to go check it out. So I'm curious because I don't have a great reference for Broadway and sort of that whole world. I know Hamilton was like a really, really, really huge blockbuster, right? And I know there's been others in the past. I mean, 
like I don't know, rent or cats or I don't know, whatever. Jer- totally no, Jersey you're, boys. Yeah, you're, I don't you're, know if that was <laughs> um, uh, that made that made some people a lot of money. Yes, <laughs> but how like I don't know, maybe like rent and cats might be on that level. But was Hamilton just another blockbuster, or was it sort of a level of success that hadn't been seen, or is it just a you know another blockbuster? Totally. Uh, I would say um, meteorically successful is is a word that I mean it, it can't really be understated how how overwhelmingly successful it was, and for a lot of reasons too. Because you know, like any really really incredible show, um, they 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 will bring they will bring people who may not necessarily have uh, their finger on the theater pulse to the theater, right? Um, and sometimes that can be just through something being really culturally important. It could be through it being really good. It could be if it manages to break through the mainstream, which is frequently difficult for musicals. Uh, you know, years ago, y- you would have Frank Sinatra singing a song from a musical, and that was like normal and would be on the radio and be on, you know, vinyls and stuff like that. But um, it's a little different now. And Hamilton really, um, it was a perfect storm of a lot of things of success. Um, you know, I, I very... Um, specifically got to see it kind of go down because uh the show that i made my broadway debut in um the broader revival of spring awakening we um opened the same we were in the same season so it was very uh wild to kind of be uh, very adjacent to the show's success uh you know personally while experiencing a huge success in my own life and then like going to the bar after the show and meeting up with some friends who were in hamilton and just seeing how slowly and kind of amazing you know amazingly it started to take shape you know it it could be i would have been like yeah we we had a great show you know so and so came to the show and they're like yeah obama came tonight <laughs> so you know what i mean it's like yeah. it's it's a different thing i will never ever ever forget walking to work the night that obama was at uh was at hamilton because there were uh snipers positioned all in the blocks around there were there were you know, we, of course, every Broadway show knew this was happening. There were trucks and stuff like that. And that's kind of one of those moments where you look around and you're like, oh, fuck. Like, this is yeah. a really unbelievable thing. It's crazy. Also combined with, I'm so sorry, I'm really going off already, but also combined with, like, how specifically kind of vital the 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 actual work was at the time. You know, we as a nation, we had our first you know, black president who was in a lot of ways beloved. And so there was, there's this beautiful and amazing kind of reclaiming of American history on display through this show, um, where, you know, characters or real people, you know, who we have been learning about forever, you know, black people were left out of this conversation. You know what I mean? Like people of color were left out of this conversation for years and years and years. And, and the, the idea to have, people of color playing these roles and to not comment on it. And it's not a thing and it's not a big deal. Like it's such a powerful, powerful moment and a powerful and beautiful choice. And I think, um, also the only people who can deliver the material that Lynn wrote in a genuine and effective and appropriate way. And just all of these things happening at once to create like a mega phenomenon also finally combined with the fact that it became that ticket that every celebrity wanted. Right. So ticket prices were able to start going up and up and up. And like being able to say you saw Hamilton was the new, like, I don't know, like, you know, like I got into that restaurant that you can't get in. It's, you know, it's, it, it really became that. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how much of it is first, uh, just to, you know, lay the land here. I love Hamilton, 
but compared to Hamilton super fans, I'm an idiot. So please take that <laughs> into consideration throughout this entire episode, which is all devoted to Hamilton. But do you think it had that wild success because of just a magical snowballing zeitgeist? Or do you think it is on another level of quality from anything else? Like, I'm trying to figure out, you know, when you're at the bars with other no. Broadway actors, is everybody like, why Hamilton? No way, Alex like, is sitting there just like, my shit's better. Yeah. No, well, no, I, I'm no, wondering no, if no. there's other people that are like, you know, me. this... Yeah, exactly. This performance, this musical should have had yeah. that success. How, you know, how do you balance those two? Yeah, that's a great question. It, it, um, it should have, right? Uh, but so like, I, I remember, um, I had seen the show when it was off Broadway first at the public. Also, that's like the biggest, like, like annoying brag you can say. It's like, yeah, no, I saw Hamilton at the public, <laughs> but it, it's true. I saw it off Broadway at the public theater and every friend of mine who saw it, there was this moment where when you're watching the show and I've truly only experienced this like twice in my life, seeing a piece of theater where I was like, oh my God, like something is being done here that is like, it's just so good. The work that Lynn did is like mind-blowingly good, uh, especially, you know, you consider the, how he took, took the, the history and then you're also taking how good the songs are, how well they move everything forward, how unbelievably good the staging is, how well-directed it is, the lighting, that everything is firing on every imaginable cylinder to be good. It's that thing where every piece of, every element of a show comes together to be so good. And then you combine that with, frankly, uh, a zeitgeist moment where people wanted to know what was going on and, you know, they wanted to be, forgive me, in the room where it happens and they wanted to see this thing that everybody was talking about. And also, like, really bluntly, a fucking killer marketing mm. uh, push. Yeah. Like I cannot express how good, how how smart the choices of the producers and the press people and everybody made on that show. Because even little things like you know nobody they didn't like show any of it. You know when a show is like marketing, when a show is marketing itself, you know there'll be performances on the Today Show or you know you know what I mean Com- yeah. things like that. There was a very uh, you know brave and firm belief and choice going on where it was like no like you're only gonna see this show in new york city on broadway at this place and i think it just created this this thing and everybody became you know really wanting to see it and then they smartly put the cast album out right away which is just a a killer you know two-hour experience or whatever so People then were having it in their homes and they just were losing their minds over it. So it's everything yeah. worked. And I, but again, I'm, I'm rambling. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. That's, but that's, the, that's, the, it's interesting yeah. to get your perspective just, you know, because like I said, it, it definitely, you know, somebody, me who like, I know like West Side Story and Cats and, you know what I mean? I don't even really know what totally. Cats, honestly, I don't even know what Cats is. I just know my Yo. whole life, if you wanted to just use an example of a big Broadway show, you said Cats. I, I don't even know what cats. Is. I don't know what cats. Is. Like I, you know what I mean. But like, I still but you just, everyone knows. Oh, cats. Yeah, it's like a Broadway show. You know what I mean. Or, totally. or like Rent is a Broadway show. You know. Um, and I think Hamilton. Totally. I, I just think that when you hit a certain level with, with anything, when you get to that almost kind of, I don't know if we want to say like Elvis Presley or like Beatlemania kind of level. I think there's just something that no one gets. You know what I mean? It's just this extra yeah. thing that that you can't predict, or or you know even. Um, I saw you did some stuff on American Idiot, like. You know, Green yeah, yeah. Day, the the kind of bratty, like, adolescent punk band doing, like, this whole concept album. That right. doesn't seem like, you know, on its face, like, that was going to be huge. And then it, that became its whole own, you know, 
thing. The, the idea of, yeah, of totally. Green Day having a Broadway play in like 1994 is just like the most absurd thing I like, you could ever think of. If, so it's kind of interesting you, that I think there's certain things that you can't really explain. I mean, I think all those things that you said are true, but then there has to be something else that takes it from just being like really successful to being, you know, whatever, a pop culture phenomenon. Right. I mean, it's it's just a it's just sometimes something happens just when it just when it needs to you know what i mean like everything clicks and i think it was a perfect um a a a a perfect moment for a piece of art it really was and again like it doesn't hurt that like barack obama went on record saying it was his favorite piece of art that he'd ever seen you know what i mean like people were saying crazy shit like that yeah and it helped yeah, yeah, I mean, Go it's ahead. amazing to look back at that first performance where he performed uh, the opening track at the White House in 2009. And you can still find this on YouTube. And if you're a Hamilton fan or even if you're not, it's worth watching because it's amazing to go back and watch it now because he gets up there and it's like a poetry slam. And he's explaining to the first lady and Barack Obama that, you know, I'm going to perform this this uh, uh, piece from this upcoming musical. It's a hip hop show and it's about Alexander Hamilton. The room laughs naturally, you know, the president laughs in his face and then he starts the first song and people are still laughing, but there's this amazing shift in the room. I got goosebumps even just rewatching it today where by the end of the song, everyone's like, oh my God, this is incredible. And it's, yeah, it's, you forget that first reaction, which is very natural that everybody wants to laugh because this is in some ways a very dumb, unbelievably dorky thing to do. And it's that transition from that, you know, first impact to then realizing, yes, but at the same time, it's on another level and it's worthy of your respect here. Absolutely. I also uh, I also laughed about it. You know, I like w- will not lie. I laughed about it. Did everybody it feel that like way about it at the time or was it like did, were there was there dissenting opinion? Did some people like say, oh, just 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 let him have his fun? Well, I think, you know, I can't speak, I obviously can't speak for everybody, but everybody I was talking to, there was this thing of like, it sounds crazy, but this guy is, is proven. You know what I mean? It's not like he's like coming out of the woodworks with this. Like he earned the right to do something kind of bonkers because in the Heights, his first show was so beloved and and worked. And I didn't think in the Heights was, you know, I I didn't think in the Heights was going to work, which was a hip hop musical. But then I saw it when I was like, 18 or whatever and I was blown away by that so it's this thing where like you can't you can't doubt I don't know you can't you can't doubt uh creatives in in that way so even if you're thinking it like I'm never gonna be the guy who's like that sounds fucking stupid dude like I'm always gonna be like I kind of can't wait to hear whatever this is and of course from the first moments of the show you're like oh boy he's he's doing something yeah when he's that talented and at the same time willing to pour that many hours into it and just you know, that much blood, sweat, and tears to perfect this thing. It turns out that, yeah, you can take a dorky idea and just grind it to the top of the mountain here. Yeah. Yeah, let's switch gears into the actual, like, let's get into it. Um, so, I mean, I'm, sh- I'm assuming everyone has a base level what Hamilton is. It's, uh, you know, unlikely, I would say, Alex, that you'd probably agree, an unlikely Broadway play in a couple of reasons. Number one, that it's about sort of a, you know, let's be honest, prior to this, like, B-Squad founding father. I'd say <laughs> Alexander Hamilton, not to, you know, yeah. and the play gets into that. I mean, that's one of the themes of the the show as well, um, that he maybe wasn't as remembered as he should be. And now, ironically, he's maybe, you know, the most famous of them now because yeah. of this yeah, up, show. Uptown, uh, there's a neighborhood called in Uptown, New York, a neighborhood called uh, Hamilton Heights, which is where because his house is in the area. Right. 
uh, and it's still there. You can get visited or whatever. Uh, I've been living up in that area for like seven or eight years, and I will never forget the day where my girlfriend and I were going on a walk, and we started seeing Hamilton tours oh, of wow. like of like tourists, you know, with a person with a little flag leading them around, like saying, "This is where he would have done this," and this, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, I know. I mean, and then. It's also, I guess, probably atypical, and maybe you should correct me if I'm wrong because I'm kind of talking on my ass here. But um, the, the kind of the heavily hip hop influenced style of music, I would assume, is not necessarily something that had been done, or maybe it had been. I'm yeah, not sure. I'm, well, he he had done it with uh, within the Heights. You know what I mean? Like, and, and of course, there are some other other people like fucked around with it. Um, but I'm, I'm allowed to say curse, right? That's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're good. Oh, great. Yeah, Wonderful. So other people had fucked around with it, but, you know, it's that, you know, like rock music had squarely landed, uh, pop music had squarely landed, but like, not only is was it hip hop, but it's also like, it wasn't like, you know, spar- it's not sparkly and shiny hip hop. Like some of it gets like complicated, it gets complicated yeah. and complex and like shit that like actual people who listen to hip hop will respect and understand. And it's not just in a... <sighs> you know yeah for the for the people <laughs> like growing up there's always that like education it was like hey yeah, kids do like you want to be cool you know you got to stay in school do your homework <laughs> totally. and study hard and you could be a superstar <laughs> kind of you know be cool stay in school kind of, you know it's like i hate always hated that growing up because it was always like run dmc <laughs> even if it was like 10 15 years later it always sounded like run dmc i don't know but I always hated that stuff. <laughs> well, that's the weird thing with this, Helgeson, is, you know, I, I love Hamilton. Alex is an expert in all things Broadway. And you're coming in from uh, a love of hip-hop in general, but you've never really been into musicals and you've never listened to the soundtrack before. No. I mean, I took my mom to see a, a West Side Story for her birthday at, like, a dinner theater. Uh, and that was, I mean, West Side Story, you like that? That's a good one, right? I mean, that, that has some hits. Are you holding that it up is- as your only experience with live musical theater um well i mean you know i saw like high school productions of greece and stuff like that but oh you know the other the other one i saw it was a friend of a friend was like a staging guy for kind of national touring shows like i guess they'd probably done well on broadway and there was uh it was actually ended up being a movie but it's called down with love there was a movie with um ewan mcgregor and renee Zell- zellweger hmm. and that was a i don't know it toured and i saw it and it was it was pretty fun but um no, so I don't you know I said West Side Story is probably the main one that I saw, which I thought that was that was a good that was a good show. Yeah, and, hey, know, America's America, no joke. On. I still go back and listen to that. Yeah, that's that's got some bangers. So what was your <laughs> mindset going in watch or listening to the Hamilton soundtrack? And I know you were like slacking back and forth about I'm having a hard time following the plot because I can't see anybody yes. and I don't really see the story moving. <laughs> um, you know, I've gotten as I listen to it more times. I mean, but and see here, and maybe Alex can jump in too. Is that Whatever my feelings about it are, I do appreciate that I'm only re- I'm only seeing a portion of what it is, right? Because it's not an album in the way that like a band or like a solo artist records an album. You know what I mean? It's it's there's staging and there's actors and there's the on on stage, you know, performances and things like that. So um I did struggle a bit, particularly with a lot of the um political wrangling kind of stuff towards the the maybe the after halftime yeah um, just all that stuff i, I sometimes I had tr- trouble distinguishing who was who um when multiple like men were talking 
or singing and, and rapping and stuff. So I, I, I did struggle with it. And then, I mean, but I finally, I mean, I, I basically got the gist of it. I tried not also not to look at like Wikipedia too much and, and keep pretty, pretty fresh, but you know, yeah, I was confused at points, I would say. So confused, but do we have a review coming from you? What'd you think of it? Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know if Uh-oh. it's totally my thing. I don't know if it's totally my thing. Um, you know, there was parts I think were really good. Um, I thought it was interesting that he put in some, some rap stuff here and there that I thought was, that I thought a majority of the audience wouldn't get like, uh, yeah, I think in, it was in the song Right Hand Man. He, uh, I think he's like, you know, I'm only 19, but my heart is older. And that's from Mob Deep, Shook Ones Part 2. It's like, I'm only 19 and my heart is old. When things get through, my warm heart turns cold, like by Mob Deep. And like just little quotes like that I thought were kind of interesting because I, I assuming that like most of the people watching the play probably didn't like Mob Deep. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess I've always struggled with Broadway a bit because, um, purely as on musical level. Cause I just, I feel like there's a, a sort something that stands between me and, and the music. And I'm not sure. And I think it's probably cause I haven't experienced it live as much. I'm, I think that's probably what I'm missing out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that could be. I wonder, I mean, Alex, do you have a good sense of how rare it is to have a sung through musical like this? Cause that's what eventually turned me around to the album is like, Oh, I want to see Hamilton at some point, And then learning, they're like, oh, no, you can just listen to the entire soundtrack and you aren't really missing too much. There are some visual cues like, you know, we, we can talk about it later. But, you know, there's some rewinding and stuff that might get a little bit confusing in the in the music version here. But what percentage of musicals are sung through like this? Totally. I I mean, I am certainly not going to know the percent. It would be pretty unbelievable if I was like 4.3%. But <laughs> um, it's not... You know, a lot of t- in 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 theater and uh, musicals and stuff like that. What you call the music, the music, and you call the you know the scenes in between, like the just the acting uh, where there's no music happening whatsoever, a scene between people. That's called the book of the show, right? And the book is kind of the the it's like the backbone of the show, and then the sto- the, the the songs happen when a character, you know, when something gets heightened to the point where they need to do more than speak if that makes any sense i know it's kind of a silly concept to explain but that's sort of the reason so with you know there's shows like jesus christ superstar which is a rock opera beginning to end everything is sung you will never catch people talking right um there's let's see i mean hamilton obviously is is a big one um rent is almost entirely sung through um but for the most part most shows are going to have some sort of there are there are scenes and you're not going to get the whole story by just listening to the, uh, the music. So that's right. Hamilton's unique in that respect. Yeah. I, uh, I saw it live when it was here in Minneapolis a couple years ago, maybe like a year and a half ago, something like that. Um, and again, I, I'm very dumb and I had this epiphany while watching it of, Oh, these performers are really good. They're really good. They're getting closer to the, you know, official recording than I expected, I think. And maybe some had a different twist on it overall. And it was this, double whammy of oh yeah performers like you alex talented people they have to sing the songs and then also act and emote during the songs which is this extra layer that maybe people don't think of immediately sure i mean also like that's kind of the trouble with uh cast albums right is like especially for a show like this like you've listened to it 10 million times right you know it before you go to see the show you see the show and a lot of times 
you know, if the actor is not the person who's in the original cast, you have this idea in your head of what you're used to hearing and something like that. So if anything changes or anything's a little different, you might be disappointed or you might find yourself like, oh, I didn't expect to, you know, see this person perform in this, you know, perform that moment in this way or something like that. Um, so, you know, there are, there are things that come along with it. You know, I, um, I've done shows where I created the role and then with Dear Evan Hansen, I, uh, replaced him. I was the first person to replace in the role and, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, I had dealt with like people at the stage door after looking, you know, people who wanted autographs or something, you know, people saying like, you were amazing. Like you were my second favorite Connor. And I'm like sitting there being like, motherfucker, there have been two people who played this role. <laughs> like, so like that kind of stuff happens and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of get away from and, and to deal with it. Another thing to remember too, um, you may have been seeing performers who have done the show 485 times right. by that point. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's a wild ass job to be asked to do the same thing every day for it to be as good as it was the day before. And for you to be giving these people who are paying theater is not cheap to be, you know, give them everything you've got. So it's, it's, you know, sometimes it's the, it's why theater is cool. I think the, the humanity of it and the, um, it, it's only going to happen that way one time ever. So it's interesting when you're, in that groove, uh, and you're on your 400th, 400th show, um, how often are you surprised by what the other performers are doing? Uh, it depends. Um, you know, you, the goal is to do the same show every day, right? That's the goal. Um, I, there are some shows, you know, I, I don't want to like disparage any show. Um, but you know, like a show like wicked or something, I'm sure you guys have at least heard of wicked. It's been around forever. They know what works. When you join that show, you know, they'll say like, hey, on this moment, we really want you to do this. Boom, boom, boom. Um, I am known to be in a lot of shows that are very, very, very dramatic, uh, very, very, I don't know what the word is, kind of actor heavy shows. Um, so the type of performer they hire is a little bit different. So, you know, a lot of times it'll be people who are, who you know, actors maybe who excel on film or in plays or something like that. And then there's also music. So I'm, I'm used to doing a show where you know like this person's crying at a different point you know what i mean and you just do you know what i mean if you're there and you're with the person that's kind of the most important thing is to um see see them where they are because every day is different and something might affect you differently and and you might not get as angry as you got the day before or you might not get as sad as you did the day before or it happens at a different time you know so there's a lot of that shit going on too yeah and imagine like reading off the audience too like if they're really engaged it'll probably up everybody's game it changes everybody's game i prefer uh you know uh not to derail too much because we should be talking about hamilton theoretically but at dear evan hansen it's a very very heavy show uh about you know young people uh go listen to dear evan hansen at some point okay um it's uh you know, it's very, very dramatic. And sometimes like, you know, you might have like a young person who is so shocked by something that they just heard. They'll like yell or gasp or like explode into loud tears from the audience. Um, I don't love that because we're, you know, I hear it. Um, and if I'm trying to be there with someone and something very, very, you know, a very heavy moment is happening and I hear someone who's kind of trying to make the show about themselves, uh, in the audience it gets a little hard. And then the audience will start like giggling because somebody like was like, oh my God. So that kind of, that stuff kind of sucks. Ugh. But I do, you know, usually it means they're, they're with you. Right, right. I'm trying to think of like the big reaction moments throughout Hamilton. Like immigrants will get the job done. I remember that was a big one. 
Uh, oh, like yeah. Incorporating women in the sequel. I remember that yep. line got a big reaction too. It's like they're kind yes. of mapped out throughout it. Yes. Uh, I'm, this likely didn't happen when you saw it, but you know, when Lynn was in the show, when he came out for the first, what's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton. I mean, it was built into the show that like, they just had to stand there and let the audience fucking scream and clap <laughs> for like 30 whole seconds. It was very, I mean, there's nothing you do about it. You want to keep the show moving, but like, they're going to do it because he wrote the goddamn thing and it's cool to yeah. see him there. So, Oh yeah. Should we listen? Let's listen to, uh, is my shot? My shot's kind of a, uh... that's the biggie. That's the biggie, right? It's first one. First and big actually, boy. This ties into something, an observation I had after. I am not thrown away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. I'ma get a scholarship to King's College. I probably shouldn't brag, but dag, I'm amazed and astonished. The problem is I got a lot of brains, but no polish. I gotta holler just to be heard with every word. I drop knowledge. I'm a diamond in the rough. A shiny piece of coal trying to reach my goal. My power of speech unimpeachable. Only 19, but my mind is older. These New York City streets get colder. I shoulder every burden, every disadvantage. I've learned to manage. I don't have a gun to brandish. I walk these streets famished. The plan is to fan this fork into a flame. But damn, it's getting dark, so let me spell out the name. I am the A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R. We are meant to be a colony that runs independently. Meanwhile, Britney keeps shitting on us endlessly. Essentially, they tax us relentlessly. Then King George turns around, runs a spending spree. He ain't never gonna set his descendants free. So there will be a revolution in this century. Enter me, he says in parentheses. Don't be shocked when your history book mentions me. I will lay down my life if it sets us free. Eventually, you'll see my ascendancy. And I am not thrown away, my shot. I am not thrown away, my shot. And you I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry. And I'm not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. And you just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry. And I'm not throwing away my shot. It's time to take a shot. I dream of life without a monarchy. The unrest in France will lead to anarchy. Anarchy. Are you say? Are you say? Anarchy. Off yet a bit much. <laughs> it's so fun though, man. Like Peppy LePew. And I got John Knuckleheads and local parentis. I'm joining the rebellion because I know what's my chance. The social league advance instead of sewing some pants. I'm going to take a shot. And but we'll never be truly free until those in bondage have the same rights as you and me. You and I do or die. Wait till I sally in on a stallion with the first black battalion. Never another shot. Geniuses, lower your voices. You keep out of trouble and you double your choices. I'm with you, but the situation is fraught. You've got to be carefully taught. If you talk, you're gonna get shot. Bird, check what we got. Mr. Lafayette, hard rock like Lancelot. I think your pants look hot. Lawrence, I like you a lot. Let's hatch a plot blacker than the kettle calling the pot. What are the odds of God who put us all in one spot? Pop in a squad and conventional wisdom like it or not. A bunch of revolutionary manumission abolitionists. Give me a position, show me where the ammunition is. Oh, am I talking too loud? Sometimes I get overexcited. Shoot off at the mouth. I never had a group of friends before. I promise that I'll make y'all proud. Let's get this guy in front of a crowd. I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. Everybody sing! Whoa, 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 hey, whoa, 
it's in New York. Did people sing along with this part? <laughs> no. Okay. I was worried that was just a Minneapolis thing. Everybody would shut up. I'm sure there were some people trying to clap on the one and three and shit, but they <laughs> shut that down quick. I imagine death so much it feels more like a memory When's it gonna get me? In my sleep, seven feet ahead of me If I see it coming, do I run or do I let it be? Is it like a beat without a melody? See, I never thought I'd live past 20 Where I come from, some get half as many Ask anybody why we live it fast And we laugh, reach for a flash We have to make this moment last That's plenty, scratch that This is not a moment, it's the movement Where all the hungriest brothers with something to prove went Foes oppose us, we take an honest stand We roll like Moses, claiming our promised land And if we win our independence Is that a guarantee of freedom for our descendants? Or will the blood we shed begin an endless cycle of vengeance And death with no defendants? I know the action in the street is exciting But Jesus, between all the bleeding and fighting I've been reading and writing We need to handle our financial situation Are we a nation of states? What's the state of our nation? I'm past patiently waiting I'm passionately smashing Every expectation, every action's an act of creation I'm laughing in the face of casualties and sorrow For the first time I'm thinking past tomorrow And I am not uh, That stretch there it, yeah, It's yeah. impossible to not crank it up When you're driving in your car listening to it Unless maybe Helgeson did not. No, that part was good. That's the hit. That's it, baby. And uh, so th- was this one of your favorites, Helgeson? Yeah, this is, I think, definitely, definitely. Um, and it also brings up something that, and I don't know, you know, I haven't read interviews with uh, with Lin-Manuel Miranda or anything, but I that song especially, and also in many, many other parts of this play, I, um, I think that there's a huge shadow cast over it um, by Eminem, 8 Mile, and Lose Yourself. Like, I feel like, there's so many times in this that even like even the way that beat is that kind of driving you know like I don't know it's from it's from the mom spaghetti school of rap you know what I mean <laughs> um, but uh, but don't you that kind of that kind of driving like you know palms are sweaty you know it's like lose yourself right. in the moment you move, you never let it go you only get one chance you, to you, float you know kind of thing. You brought something up that I have to, I'm trying to find it right now because it's really, really interesting you hit on it. Um, and it's um, the casting breakdowns for Hamilton. Uh, a breakdown is just when, like, you know, if, if an actor is going to be auditioning for a role, like when you get the email that says, hey, come in for, you know, this role or whatever, this is what the character is, right? Um, Alexander Hamilton is described, I just found it, as a. Uh, this is what you would see if you were auditioning. Uh, non-white, an earnest, ambitious, hothead, a man possessed, speaks his mind no matter the cost, must be able to rap incredibly well. Eminem meets Sweeney Todd. Yeah. So for every, <laughs> for every character, Lynn wrote the, ma- the famous musical theater 
character mm-hmm. as well as the famous rapper or R&B artist or whatever okay, that he envisions. So it's really interesting you brought up Eminem because the way Hamilton speaks, I think, raps, he, he raps like Eminem. You know yeah, what I mean? Oh, that totally. He likes to do the quick in, internal like, rhyme schemes and shit multi, like that. It's interesting. Multisyllabic kind of really, especially that part that Ben totally. was saying, that would get really hyped in the car. Like that is so Eminem to me when Eminem's like really going oh, yeah. off. And, you know, and even, you know, 8 Mile in itself, which is actually, I think, a really good movie. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely that kind of underdog, you know, seizing the moment kind of thing, which is really the heart of this, I think, in a lot of ways. Totally. There's um, a thing in musicals called the I Want song. It exists in every musical ever made. You will always find it. And it is when your main character says what they want, what they, the, the, they're, they introduce the journey they plan on going on throughout the show and what it is that they need and what it is that they want. You know what I mean? And, and it's, it's um, I mean, like, this is a shining, very easy to digest example of, like, this dude's showing up. He has something to prove. He wants this. He's horrified of his own death. He's going to do everything he can to ignore that fact, and he will not stop working until his life is taken from him. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Something, you know musicals you know <laughs> it's got it all yeah i mean there's obvious stuff like i'm sure you picked up on this i don't know if there's other characters that popped out to helgeson but like you know obviously hercules mulligan people was like okay that's the buster rhymes character i was gonna say hercules uh, mulligan is like he's he's raw he's he's probably the best rapper in this thing i think I love oh hercules. interesting hercules i love i love his verses he's really raw I mean, yeah what'd well, you think about lynn's good too uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't know your thoughts on Eminem in general. I don't know if it's an easy one-to-one between what you think about, you know, Hamilton throughout this musical and what you think of Eminem. Um, I mean, you know, I, <laughs> at a certain point in my life, I was a really big Eminem fan. And I think it's probably a good sign for me personally that I'm not as big of an Eminem fan now. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I'm older <laughs> and hopefully have like, you know what I'm saying? grown out of that to a certain you've, degree. You've digested digested some of the things he was saying and you were like, maybe. Yeah. However, I will <laughs> say like, you know, even now I always check out his new stuff and when he really puts his mind to like these insane displays of kind of technical prowess as a rapper, I mean, there are very few that have ever been on his level as just a technical rapper. I mean. He, he just broke a world record for one of those tunes on that new one, right? Oh, is I didn't that, hear that. I, but yeah, I I mean, it's it's like sometimes it's almost ludicrous to the point where it's it's almost it almost makes you laugh because he's just spinning these like he's rhyming whole sentences in a row. You know what I mean? It's just insane. So <laughs> I mean, I think I think that you know, like I said, yeah, definitely when he when he first came out and all that stuff, I was a huge Eminem fan, and and he's you know I always check his stuff out. But I think I'm not really necessarily in that place anymore, uh, which is probably good. Yeah, uh, as somebody who listens to a lot of hip hop, I'm curious, like, what do you think about just the rhyming structure for the musical overall? Alex, you can stay quiet if you have thoughts on this, uh, positive or negative. <laughs> but like, you know, I, I saw some tweet a while ago that I can't get out of my head where Lin Manuel Miranda also uh, wrote some of the music for Moana, the Disney film. Oh yeah, that's and, oh, I've seen that. Yeah, for sure. Oh, my there daughter. we go. Great. My daughter. Uh, but there's a line like in there. Fifteen times. <laughs> um. Yeah, you probably recognize like, okay, your welcome sounds a lot like uh, some songs in Hamilton here. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a moment in that movie where there's a line about, you know, everybody has their role, so maybe I can roll with mine. And somebody just tweeted like, oh, it's very Lynn and Well to rhyme roll with roll. And so then I got up in my head about like, wait, not listening to a lot of rap. Is Hamilton not uh, 
top of the pack? Like as as a connoisseur, Helgeson, are you listening to this going like, okay, that's kind of a stretch, that's kind of a stretch? Um, I, no, you know, I would not have any, I mean, and listen, I, I don't know every musical of all time by any stretch, but I mean, I can't imagine it in a musical sense being done a whole lot better than this. Um, yeah. I, I guess, you know, technically it's very good. You know, sometimes there was certain lines like, like, like what was the one that just cracked me up every time? Like the girl, the, the one of the, 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 the sisters is like, I've been reading Common Sense by Thomas Paine. Some people say that I'm intense and I'm insane. It was just like, I don't know. Some, I don't know. It was something about Common Sense by Thomas Paine, just <laughs> like social studies class stuff just cracked me up. Um, but I mean, put it this way, like everyone's good. And I mean, you definitely like I, I brought up some stuff like the Mob Deep thing earlier, or there's like, if you don't know, now you know, Biggie, or like, there's one time when they're like, you know, such a blunder, it makes me wonder why Bring the Thunder or something, which is like, yep, makes me wonder why I think, it's like a jungle sometimes, it makes me wonder why I keep from going under Melly Mel and Grandmaster Flash, you know. So, I mean, to me, it, it's clear that he like knows hip hop, and he's really, and they're good at it, you know what I mean? And, and I, I just... There's certain something about like hip hop that I love though that doesn't translate to this, and it's almost this sort of inherent kind of weirdness or, um, I don't know. Hip hop to me has always sort of been somewhat like people using whatever they had, whether that was like turntables or like cracked copies of like Fruity Loops or whatever, to kind of make stuff in in, in not like a schooled way, I guess. That kind of mm. brings some sort of inherent kind of like eerie or or odd moments to me that you don't really get that because this is so well put together. You know what I mean? So um, that might keep me at a distance, but that said, I mean, the rap is like, they're really good at it. And I mean, and some of the lyrics are and in the particularly like the flows and like that part, when you, you talked about that part where he's getting hyped, like that's really good. You know what I mean? So I can't imagine in, in the context of what makes a Broadway play that it could be done much better than this, you know, because I think that that Broadway has certain, um, demands, you know what I mean? Yeah. Did you have thoughts, you know, being an expert in the world of video games as well, you know, we've dealt with a lot of uh, dorky stuff throughout the years, but were there moments of that, like the Thomas Paine line, you're like, this is dorky on a whole new level that I can't quite get comfortable with. <laughs> I mean, there was times when I like, I did write down in my notes, it was like uh, a fusion of hip hop and Wikipedia. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I'm kind of, that was kind of me being a dick to myself. Um, but no, I mean, you know, it's it's dorky, but um, you know, it, it. I think that you know, ultimately, like you're right that they they can really rap, and the cat the cast members are good. You know, the only one that I couldn't stand was Lafayette. I just couldn't stand. Really, I, this I just what's crazy to me about gosh, that. So the Pepe what's wild to me about that. Like, oh, he, he, you gotta check. I think so. That dude's name is David Diggs. He also, I don't know if you knew this. Forgive me if you did. Uh, most of the characters are doubled, so they play a different character in Act Two than they do in Act One. And no idea, um, no idea. Oh, see, that's huge to this whole deal. Oh. So the guy who plays Thomas Jefferson is the same actor playing uh, Lafayette. Oh. The guy who plays Hercules Mulligan is the same guy who's playing uh, John Adams. What? So it's like, yeah, oh they, my they, God. It's, it's, okay, it's a huge stretch. So you know, I'm sure you were sitting there probably also saying, "All right, the dude who's playing Thomas Jefferson can fucking go because he." can you know what i mean yeah. so oh wow I, you, okay. should, you should check him out uh he's got a band called clipping a ra- uh, you know clipping? A rap group called clipping the dude clipping, from clipping yeah. is who yeah yeah oh my god i love thomas jefferson thomas thomas jefferson and uh and lafayette shut up yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love clipping 
They're so good. Oh, where's your Pepe Le Pew now, Helga? Well, they, I'm, good. I, yeah, I'm sorry, but that, that accent is very broad. That accent <laughs> yes, is very yes, broad. Yes, it is. And I'm, it, it very I, it much It wasn't is. that he was rapping poorly. I just thought it was such like almost cartoonish kind of it's so like, can it, we, 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 you know, kind of like. Totally. Looney can we listen? Kind of thing. Can we Dude. listen to the opening of Gun of Guns and Ships just to get an idea here? Clipping is so good, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, Wow. Look at that! A person who makes his career in musical theater just talked about clipping. So how's that? Yeah. How's that going yeah, for you? Let's let's get you know, <laughs> Flatbush Zombies on next. <laughs> How does a ragtag volunteer army in need of a shower somehow defeat a global superpower? How do we emerge victorious from the quagmire? Leave the battlefield waving Betsy Ross's flag higher? Yo, turns out we have a secret weapon, an immigrant. You know and love who's unafraid to step in. He's constantly confusing, confounding the British henchmen. Everyone give it up for America's favorite fighting Frenchman! I'm taking this horse by the reins, making red coats, weather with blood stains. And I'm never gonna stop until I make a drop of burn them up and scatter the remains down. Watch me engaging them, escaping them, and raging them out. I go to France for more fun. I come back with more guns and ships. And so their balance shifts. We rendezvous with Rochambeau, consolidate their gifts. We can end this war in Yorktown, cut them off at sea. But for this to succeed, there's someone else we need. I know. So he knows what to do in the trench, ingenuitive and fluent in French, I mean. So you're gonna have to use him eventually. What's he gonna do in the bench, I mean? No one has more resilience or matches my practical, tactical brilliance. You want to fight for your land back? Give my right hand man back. Get your right hand man back. Now you gotta get your right hand man back. Yeah, the idea of going that fast while also performing with an accent, I couldn't do a fraction of either of those things. So it's just mind-boggling that they slammed it together, even if it is a little over the top. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a mind-blowing moment in the show, too. Also, like, you got to consider a lot of people who are listening to this have, like, barely ever heard rap. In mm, their, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, that's that's the novel part of this that's... You know, seeing people's heads roll because they've never heard someone rap that quick. Right. Yeah, definitely. Wow, that's so nuts. I can't believe that. <laughs> hey, Jason, we should... Can you pull up Work Work by Clipping with uh, Cock Ooh. Pistol Cree? Just to hear it. Because it, it's like yeah, I'd way, love to hear it. Like way different. <laughs> They're really a weird rap group. They're cool. Out your city if you ride for it. Let them know why you die for it. Same reason all these riders get high, so it's all medicinal. Now, what you want, buy, homie? Buy, bitch, buy, bitch. Mob shit, mob shit. Boss talk, boss talk. Game rich, game rich. Name game, name game. Gang sign, gang sign. Work on the phone, call it baseline. Yup. Line dance like a hold down. Pimps up, daytime. Whole block of ghost town. Ghost ride, ghost face. G's get ghost in a moment. Pour a little for the ghosts of the dead, homie. Deadpan voice singing Tin Pan Alley songs panhandling in front of tourists. I can't not hear Jefferson. It's yeah, really no, freaking me out. For sure. Get it. Get it in. When the stash low and it's no cash. Get it in. And you're riding no L's, no tag. Get it in. And she looking like you ain't going <laughs> anyway, to awesome. little That's a cool little detour. But anyway, that's that's clipping. But so, you know, they're kind of on the like 
a lot of their beats are kind of weird and like on the noisiest side, which I like. Um, but anyway, that was that. Yeah. That really blew my mind. That's crazy. <laughs> but uh, um, were there other parts other than the political stuff that took a while to sink in Elkison? Because I know personally. <laughs> For me, it's like okay, like the, the the Revolutionary War stuff is is fun. It's the most energetic. It's the most uh, approachable in some ways. And then it's like okay, after you listen to it a few times, I think you get more absorbed into like uh, the sisters' stories, stuff like that. <laughs> okay, the sisters thing. I swear to God, I was like, is this dude trying to have a threesome with two sisters? <laughs> like just by listening kind of. to the music, I was like, what is going on with this? Um, he, I mean, the dude was a dog. You know what I mean? Like it, it historically, like I don't, I don't know if he was trying to have the them both, but he seems to have been in rather involved. Yeah, it seems so. It seems so. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of parts. I got, I got more confused. I think in the parts, maybe like the I like the debate parts. The yeah, the the uh, kind of rap battles. And, uh, but there was certain stuff with the sort of the more political machinations, like in the second half where I just, I kind of wasn't, and I didn't want to go to Wikipedia to like learn, you know, just cause I wanted to see if I could work it out on my own. Right. Um, but some of the stuff with when, when like after Jefferson comes back, I don't know. I just, I was a little confused by that. No, but. there's stuff where it's like, okay, Burr is changing parties. Okay. And then how does that line up with the father-in-law of the sisters? You know, like trying to figure out yes, exactly yes. how all that kind of locks together. And, and like, also obviously like the- his son gets killed in a duel first. Yeah. I didn't understand like what the son's duel thing was about at all. Like why they were dueling or who, who he was dueling. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So some dude was shit talking his dad and it you know in those days you you say yo you're shit talking my dad i want to fight you and and hamilton was like you know at this point a little older he's like son please do not do this and of course you know young male uh bravado and defending of egos because at do at that time it's mind-blowing to think of it especially considering the world we live in but like if someone shit talked to you you've challenged them to a duel like honor was like paramount and you didn't say something that wasn't true you know it's it's we don't we certainly don't live like that anymore but like it's why it's a wild thing but that's basically what's going on he came back from school you know it's just kind of a random guy though it's not anybody important Uh, to the story like he's not like a major political guy totally not okay see that i was Uh, trying to put that together like who he was i think his name was like george eaker or something uh but he was like a dude i think he was like a young rich dude i'm talking about ass for a second as i uh Look him up. He was a lawyer, it looks like. Uh, he fatally shot Philip Hamilton. Schenectady. He was a, you know, he's just a, a lawyer. Okay. All he right. selected, blah, blah, blah. Just a lawyer Talk murderer. shit about Hamilton. Got mad. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a pretty interesting guy. Where's where's his Hamilton? Oh, it's coming. I mean, they're going to have so many spinoffs off this thing. They're going to get absolutely everybody back in here. Peggy's going to have a whole theatrical debut. <laughs> From having okay. a two-note solo in this in this whole musical. <laughs> Okay, then as long as we're clearing stuff up. And then does does Hamilton in the second half, does he cheat on his wife with like another kind of just random yeah. woman? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Hamilton's kind yes. of a dick. He totally. In some ways. Totally. Don't you yeah. think? Like, especially with his wife and her sister. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Like, He's and then in shady. Burn. Yes. In Burn, I think, you know, she makes it very clear that they have like, okay, well, he wrote 
the pamphlets to try and clear his name. But by doing that, he threw my name under the bus and his entire family under the bus and did not consider it along the way. Yeah, yeah. He- also, the like, the narcissism on the dude that he's like, well, I did this, but they can't think of because you know the, the dudes were trying to be like yo he's got money going out like what's he doing with taxpayer money you know what i mean so they tried to find him out so he says i'm not doing anything with taxpayer money i'm sleeping with someone else and i will tell them <laughs> like it's a wild leap for him to be like i would rather the world know that i'm cheating on my wife than them think that i'm you know dishonorable with money with oh, you know the country's okay, money okay. which is it's a mind-blowing huh. thing that the dude did it's like Again, it's just the level of like... Can you imagine if Twitter was around then? Oh, it would be... I don't know what insane. would happen. He would never stop writing. It'd be nonstop yeah. on that Twitter feed. No kidding. Yeah, yeah he, he seems like he seemed like he's over, he'd over-tweet for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, okay, it, this is the only time I, I went to and did a little internet research as long as we're talking about kind of Hamilton the figure. Um, and this is something I think that's kind of interesting because, Alex, you, you brought up Hamilton when it first came out was definitely the product of a moment. You know, in that sort of um, maybe the hopeful time of the early Obama administration. And obviously we are in in a uh, much different moment now in many, many, many ways. Um, But so I did look up in there, you know, one thing that strikes me is America, you know, we're, we're a country built on myths a lot. You know what I mean? Like from George Washington, the cherry tree, which is basically like an Aesop fable. You know what I mean? And, um, and so I did look up and like, there's definitely a lot of, stuff about Hamilton. I think that this, um, this musical elides to certain degrees, um, in terms of everything I read about him, that he was not that much of an abolitionist. He was sort of against slavery in the, in the broad terms and didn't, you know, was enough of a, you know, a a human to, uh, to react to the sort of cruelty of it. Um, but he did all, he did own slaves that he inherited and also apparently had, bought and sold slaves on behalf of his in-laws. Um, and then the other big thing, which I think is really kind of weird that they don't talk about is that he, you know, he advocated for um, lifetime. The presidents would serve for life. Oh, he, interesting. He was very, he was not, he was definitely not a, a very democratic, you know, and then that's a lot of the whole founding fathers really were sort of anti-democratic in many ways, but he, he, he had, he had wanted like presidents to basically be like, elected kings and then they, when they die they would elect again so i thought and it's that funny that then yeah it's funny that the, the king in the musical then gets to have the crazy reaction of like what do you mean they're stepping down that's not what you do so it's funny to know that hamilton was on the other side of that there's a lot of simplifications there's a whole section on the on the wikipedia page you just want to get a rundown of they they stretch a few things along the way you know it's a lot more of shoehorning him and Burr together in situations where they weren't together just sure to, you know, build up some sort of duality there that they can play with throughout the musical. Right, which, not to jump way to the end, but, like, that's kind of the whole thing of Hamilton, right? Is like, that final song, Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story, uh, unless I'm remembering that incorrectly, is sort of about the myths we make and how we retell them over time. The whole point of Hamilton was to shed some light on this guy, on, on, a, on a character that had uh, very little, like, presence in Broadway and very little presence in mainstream American media. Um I guess that to me was where I, I, that's how I brush off a little bit of that criticism, even as somebody who's not, again, the biggest fan of Hamilton, brush it off by like remembering that this is like one person's, one production's interpretation of the character, right? And they have to dramatize a little bit. They have to make him interesting. They have to give him relationships, oh, yeah. all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, and I don't, I, I'm certainly not one of those that thinks that like art has to be, you know, defined by these super strict terms. You know what I mean? I think that that's the whole point of art. You know what I mean? It's, it's not a documentary. It's a, it's a Broadway play, right? So, um, and I, you know, and I'm sure that I don't even know, but I'm, I'm assuming that like, you know, what's that one, a night to remember or whatever. Like, I'm sure he didn't meet all those guys at the exact same time in one. <laughs> right. Oh, the right. story of tonight. Yeah. The story of tonight. Story of you tonight. Know what I mean? Like, I, I'm just going to go on a limb and say that probably it wasn't just like, Hey, we all met one time at a bar for the first time. And then we all went and changed American history, you know? But, right. But I mean, that's, right. that's what it's a, it's a good part of the, it's a good part I'll of the show. I'll give you, you know? a, ner- a, a nerdy, a nerdy moment that may be a crossover for some of your listeners. Maybe some of you, I don't know. Uh, are, are any of you familiar with the, uh, the book, the name of the wind by Patrick Rothfuss? Yes. Familiar with, haven't read it yet. That's good. Uh, definitely read it. Uh, that moment, there is a passage in The Name of the Wind where it just describes uh, Kvothe and his friends, you know, just having a moment as young men in the night, you know, like walking. They're all a little drunk, and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the possibilities of youth kind of ahead of them. Uh, Lynn has gone on record as saying that that passage is the inspiration for that whole beat oh, in the show. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. So just a fun crossover for some people who might like uh, high fantasy as well as yeah. musicals. No, Ross, yeah, he's great. He's a great writer. Just to drive oh. home how dorky this thing is. Yeah, and I know that <laughs> Lynn also tweeted about uh, like uh, the song We Know that the re- repetition of the word unless is a reference to the podcast My Brother, My Brother and Me that Lynn is a fan of with the McElroys. Yes. And so it's just like it is just the perfect melting pot of remixing dorky things, a dorky love for hip hop, for history, for – you know, nerd culture all boiled together for Hamilton here. All right. Let's, I, I want to, I definitely know what my, le- what's, what's everyone's least favorite song? Cause I definitely know mine. <laughs> hmm. And then my, a, one of my favorites will surprise you. Interesting. Least favorite song. Alex, do you have a tri- uh, an option for this? I will. I will abstain Damn from it. least favorite, mainly mainly because um, there's nothing that sticks out that I'm like, I don't need the, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing that sticks out in that way that I'm like, I'm, I hate this so much that I don't want to ever hear it. And also, I like, am simp- uh, uh, you know, my perspective is a bit more sympathetic because musicals are really hard to make. Totally. And sometimes, like you know it's like a house of cards you take a song out something like completely tumbles in act two you know it, so it's i can't i can't do it that's I can't fine do it. that's totally fine i think of like you know there's some more forgettable stuff in the second half i think the second half is definitely weaker than the first half overall um maybe you know it's nice but i'm not that connected to george washington's story throughout this so even something like one last time it's like well sung but i'm never super excited to listen to that one Mine is definitely, and this is just sort of a, a thing in, I think it's probably in musicals a lot. I, what did I miss? I hate like that kind of fake 50s rock and roll boogie woogie but, bugle boy from Company but, B type shit. I just cannot Helgeson, stand that. if I may, that's, I know it's stupid to give it an excuse like this, but that's the point of that song is to show that Thomas Jefferson is coming back to America and yeah. he's so culturally out of touch that he's singing songs from a different era because society has oh, changed so much. Okay. I, I, right. okay. like, I didn't pick up on that. Again, see, also, I, I, I wasn't... The voices, well, I was oh. I was not always sure who was singing what. because, And I totally. didn't even know because the voices, obviously, they, they change characters too, that which right. added to my confusion in retrospect now that after you told me that. Yeah, I super dig What Did I Miss only because, first of all, it's the first thing back from intermission. I'm not sure if you 
knew that. Like, you know, so everybody just came back from pissing and, you know, they're going back. They've got their $35 drinks. And then this douche rolls up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's so he like I'm telling you, like, if you if you check it out uh, later this week on, on Disney Plus, like he comes down on like a rolling staircase. He's wearing a like sparkly oh, pink. Ja- I mean, he like a Liberace kind of thing. Almost just like he. Yeah, he just makes oh. this entrance that's like and like. It's such a grand character entrance that, like, you know, you're like, oh, this guy is going to be a problem for our hero the whole rest of this show. Okay, see here, so yeah, it, this, you know, this is what I'm missing by not, you know what I mean? Like, that's totally this but, is you know, a different reference when you're only listening to it as like an album. You know what I mean? Right. right. Your your opinion is super, like, your perspective is super valid. You know what I mean? Because you don't. Why would you know those? Things? Like, you're you're listening to it in a vacuum. You're like, yeah, that song doesn't do it for me, which is like right. totally totally. So the valid. staging is kind of undercutting like this character in a way. Oh yeah, I mean okay. he is really he's like a hoot and a half. That it uh that I think act 2 of this show is what sealed signed sealed and delivered David's Tony award because every moment he's on stage is just like you hate him so much but he's like endlessly entertaining. Yeah, it's a little bit of the same vibe as The King, you know, who has the repeated songs throughout but even like, you know, uh Jason, I don't know if you want to jump to what comes next just to give a sample of this before we talk about The King here. They say the price of my war's not a price that they're willing to pay. Insane! You cheat with the French, now I'm fighting with France and with Spain. I'm so blue. I thought that we made an arrangement when you went away. You were mine to subdue. Well, even despite our estrangement, I've got a small query for you. What comes next? You've been freed. Do you know how hard it is to lead? You're on your own. Awesome. Wow. Do you have a clue what happens now? Oceans rise, empires fall. It's much harder when it's all your call. All alone across the sea. When your people say they hate you, don't come crawling back to me. Da 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 da. Alex, I'm so curious to hear your perspective on like the evolution of that performance because seeing it live, that was maybe the biggest surprise for me for the first time was just, oh my God, like the king is on stage so much more than I expected and he's always kind of lingering around the sides, really hamming it up for the audience because he had such a big reaction and just slayed with the first song, You'll Be Back. Do you know if that evolved throughout the course of the production of keeping him on the stage longer and longer? I mean, I'm not sure, but, you know, I I think that... I think that it, there are very few more effective, less is more characters ever written in musical theater. Because, you know, at the, like, yeah, he's around a bit, but, like, the role is you're going to sing these three tunes, you're going to wear this heavy-ass jacket, and you're going to be backstage for two hours and 20 minutes right. of the, of the show. And it's, uh, it's also such like a stark change in like style. Cause you know, then you've got these, like you've got these British 
influence you've got it's kind of like beatlesy rock but also maybe a little like bowie it's just like so quintessentially like british easy rock if that makes it's sense. right that kind of like that yeah dun, 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 you know like totally totally like, very like sergeant peppers totally and i think that's the the vibe and the goal right like this dude rolls up 45 minutes into the show you know he's coming and he comes and just stands there he doesn't even move and he sings this song and you're just, everybody's just in stitches. It, it, I think that song rocks. Yeah. And there's a super nerdy detail that I can't get out of my head where I think it was when lin he was in the new Mary Poppins. So he was, you know, talking about the influence of Mary Poppins a lot. And apparently this is coming from Spoonful of Sugar. This is a, this is a technique they use in that song that he pulled into the King songs where he repeats the phrase, oceans rise, empires fall. And like that idea of like going down on rise and up on fall was something that he loved from Spoonful of Sugar, which is such a weird specific thing. And now I can't get it out of my head. And I think it's such a weird little twist on that. It's, I've never thought of that, but it's, it's, it's clever. The ways, the ways really smart people make you engage and you don't even know you're doing it. Yeah. Speaking of which, we should give a shout out to former Mintrax guest, uh, Kirk Hamilton. He has an episode of his podcast, Strong Songs, uh, all about Satisfied. And it is an amazingly smart breakdown of that uh, podcast. Apparently, Lin- Lin-Manuel even tweeted about it and how good it was and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do, Jason, you want to jump to like uh, 255 and Satisfied there? Yeah. Kirk like actually knows what he's talking about. Oh, yes. I never let that stop me. <laughs> I'm about to change your life. And by all means, lead the way. Number one. I'm a girl in a world in which my only job is to marry rich. My father has no son, so I'm the one who has to social climb the one. So I'm the oldest and the wittiest and the gossip in New York City is and city is. And Alexander is penniless. <laughs> that doesn't mean I want to marry less. Elizabeth Schuyler, it's a pleasure to meet you. Schuyler. My sister. Number two. He's after me because I'm a Schuyler. takes fighting a war for us to meet, it will have been worth it. I'll leave you to it. Number three. I know my sister like I know my own mind. You will never find anyone as trusting or as kind. If I tell her that I love him, she'd be silently resigned. He'd be mine. She would say I'm fine. She'd be lying. But when I fantasize at night, it's Alexander. Uh, and so, yeah, I'd imagine this is confusing it helps so much to see it visually and so yeah if you're watching hamilton disney plus i'm curious to see how they show it in that production but basically helpless and satisfied are like a weird duality of songs on the album helgeson and satisfied is basically the um the back to the future two of the bunch (laughs) where like in the middle of it you go back and re and it re-shows what happened in helpless but from a new perspective right okay yeah Yeah. these are some of the subtleties i think i wasn't picking up on not having seen it you know what i mean just only experiencing it for the first time in audio and also i i was good i didn't cheat i didn't go to like the wikipedia summary because i wanted to see if i could like suss it out on my own hey we're impressed Um, we're impressed did you have a favorite song helgeson you know ben this is funny because i know this was kind of like you know you you know how much like i love hip-hop and stuff but my favorite song actually might be probably the last one or one of the last ones you would thought i I think um it's quiet uptown is a really 
Wow. Is a really pretty song. I don't know what, I don't know Alex what you think about it. I don't know. I like Quiet Uptown a lot. Uh I do hate that every time I talk about Uptown because again it's where I live. Somebody on Twitter always says it's quiet uptown. <laughs> so I'm sick of that fucking joke. But um Quiet Uptown's a really good one. I um I because it's kind of it's it's earned and it's you know again it's hard to watch because again this guy it's a I really think it's a moment of uh, a person reckoning with the just a very simple like everybody has a moment in their life where they're like reckoning with the choices they've made and the examples they've led and and the, the just the life that they've led right and like now his son his son is dead for whatever reason that you know whatever reason that may be um whether it was Hamilton's fault or not and I think it's I think it's a really kind of a beautiful time capsule of that I, I you know I will say one problem I have with it is uh I don't know I don't think this is the show it's just one of those moments that's like so frustrating that uh he gets kind of absolved of his sins in that moment oh okay, uh, yeah it, not again that's like a me thing it's like a he he we don't know you know it's like a creative liberty that had to be taken right like did she did she really forgive him for what he did and i think it's not a complaint it's it's like an observation that i like like to think about it's did this actual historical person actually forgive this man and or did she not right and is this moment just one of those musical moments that like as an audience we want to see hmm. absolution and we want to see people make up you know what i mean no no i, I, get I think that. a lot yeah. about that i think a lot about that moment i guess again see i'm, I'm hearing these more disconnected just as songs you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i think i probably totally missed some of the but i think it's i don't know it's a, it's a pretty song i don't know if it's my favorite but it was one of the ones i was surprised that i liked i guess put it that way it is beautiful. It's for sure beautiful. Um, I'm, I, you'd probably be the first person I've ever heard to say that's their favorite, but I, I kind of tells me a lot about you. <laughs> You're a softie. I am. Let's play it, Jason. There are moments that the words don't reach. There is suffering too terrible to name You hold your child as tight as you can And push away the unimaginable The moments when you're in so deep It feels easier to just swim down The Hamiltons move uptown And learn to live with the unimaginable in the garden Matt, you've had so many corollaries to other artists you know in a lot of this music. Uh, what does this uh, ring true to to you? What other artists do you hear here? Uh, I don't know. This this seems like, like super Broadway to me. I don't know. I take the children to church on Sunday. I don't know what it is. Yeah, Alex. I mean, we've been talking about the hip hop Easter eggs and stuff in there, and kind of the dorky stuff. But there's probably a ton of references to other musicals that we aren't hearing in here do you know of any that stand out oh god uh there's a like a million throughout the show or this song uh throughout the entire show oh my god there's there's a million of them um one of my favorite ones actually is one that you you played um i'll, t- I'll tell you my two favorite ones uh you played it earlier when uh burr says uh i don't remember the whole lyric but he says you've got to be carefully taught if you're something you're going to get shot you know what i mean yeah uh and the, the line you've got to be carefully taught uh is a very 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 famous line 
uh, from South Pacific, which is, you know, a classic Broadway musical from years and years and years ago. Uh, there's a song called You've Got to Be Carefully Taught about racism uh, and how racism is taught to us. Huh. Um, and it's got to be very carefully, you know what I mean? Like, it's got to be carefully done. And it's something very interesting to bring up um, now as, you know, everything that's happening around us and, you know, these these internal looks, you know, at our own behavior and the way we treat people and view people. And it's it's to see there's something wild to see that line just get casually dropped. But like, if you know, your ear kind of perks up and also, you know, the function of Aaron Burr as the, um, I don't know, the, 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 the perfect straight man who's always trying to bring those guys down to earth. And he's always trying to be calm, cool, collected. And it's, uh, kind of flipping that, the meaning of that lyric on its head a bit. That's really um, another one. Yeah. Another one is, um, at the end of, oh boy, the, what is the name of the song? The song where, you know, the song where his infidelity comes out, um, the, you know, really like R&B, uh, I think it's how, how to say no to this. Um, at the end, he says, nobody needs to know. Um, and he pays the dude off. Uh, there's a famous musical called The Last Five Years uh, in which the lead character cheats on his wife and the song is called Nobody Needs to Know. And it's such an interesting, you know, he cheated on his wife, but now he's paying somebody off. You know what I mean? Like it's it's some sort of, it's just fun. And and all that does, of course, is like just say say how much Lynn's been thinking about all this shit. And <laughs> I, I, I just really, I think it's really fun and I dig it. To switch gears back to the hip hop kind of references, which this is when I was kind of blown away just by the title number one. And um, I think this is one of the best for me, like hip hop. I think this may be the cabinet battle one, um, but 10 dual commandments. Which yeah. Is a reference to, um, you know, which is, is it's nuts to me that all these families are going to this reference of like it's Biggie's Ten Crack Commandments, which is like right. this totally like the rules of like being a crack dealer, like one of the most like classic New York, you know, street rap gutter kind of songs. You know what I mean? And like I, I thought that one, um, I thought that was just a really one of the better ones in terms of the more hip hop side of the the show. Um, that did a really good job. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's the Ten Dual Commandments. It's the Ten Dual Commandments. Number one. The challenge demands satisfaction. If they apologize, no need for further action. Number two. If they don't, grab a friend, that's your second. Your lieutenant, when there's reckoning to be reckoned. Number three. Have your seconds meet face to face. Negotiate a or negotiate a time and place. This is commonplace, especially between recruits. Most disputes die and no one shoots. Number four. If they don't reach a peace, that's alright. Time to get some pistols and the doctor on site. You pay him in advance, you treat him with civility. You have him turn around so he can have deniability. Five. Four before the sun is in the sky. Pick a place to die where it's high and dry. Number six. Leave a note for your next to kin. Tell him where you've been. Pray that hell or heaven lets you in. Seven. Confess your sins. Ready for the moment of adrenaline. When you finally face your opponent. Number eight. Last chance to negotiate. Send in your second, see if they can set the record straight. Alexander. My chance to be a little bit nerdy. The uh, yeah. the Bastion soundtrack by um, Darren Korb, the video game, uh, Super Giants game. Love yeah. that game to death, and that soundtrack is wonderful. That that alarm sound appears so many times throughout that soundtrack that I, I'm just taken out of this song every time it comes by <laughs> and just thrown into that game. 
That's funny because when I was watching 21 Jump Street today, uh, there's like a part where sirens go off, and I was like, God, it sounds just like that part in Ten Dual, Ten Dual Commandments. I mean, it. I could be wrong, but it. I mean, it might be. Yeah. It's the same. You know, it's the same dudes building the building the. Uh, what do you call it? The triggers and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Oh, same team. Yeah, that's that's an important thing to know too. Is Lynn pretty much across the board works the same uh, same crew of of people? You know, orchestrator and director and stuff like that. Just to you know, they're they're friends. Who uh, who doesn't get enough credit for Hamilton or maybe Broadway productions in general? Is it the orchestrator, the director? It depends on the show. Um, I would say in Hamilton, it's Alex Lacamoire. Uh, Alex Lacamoire is the orchestrator of the show. Uh, he also was the orchestrator of uh, the show Dear Evan Hansen that I did. He is a, I, I put this, he is a fucking genius. <laughs> like the, the work that he, the songs are Lynn, right? Like the dude wrote the songs, the lyrics, the, the songs, the, the, the bones of the song, the structure of the song. I'm sure many of the orchestra, orchestral ideas are his, but Lacamoire's work in making this sound the way that it does is is mind-blowing and to people who don't really know you know the orchestrator might be let's say i wrote a song and it's uh you know a vocal and a guitar right and i record it and it's going to go into a musical an orchestrator's job is to be like great this is what the trumpet's going to do this is what the violins are going to do uh all of that shit it's a mammoth job uh and for something like hamilton which is you know almost two and a half hours sung through it's 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 um it's pretty unbelievable what he what Blackmore can do. And I'm sure, I'm sure if Lynn ever heard this, he would agree that Black is an unbelievable dude. This is a dumb question, but is this done with like a kind of a live rock band slash orchestra not, kind of thing? Or not a dumb question at all. Is it, or is uh, it pre-recorded? No. So it's a live band uh, for a show like this. And for a lot of shows, a lot of modern shows, there is a lot of, um, you know that we're we're used to hearing sounds now that like you can't play. You know what I mean? Like culturally, like pop music and shit. Yeah. Like as music changes and adjusts, like you know you're gonna hear sounds that an instrument ain't gonna make. Um, so Hamilton, I don't know the exact size of the band, but I know there's like guitar, bass, drums, uh, piano, keyboard. But then there's so many like triggered things, which are you know I, I don't want to get too into the weeds with how complicated it is, but we're talking like you know. Every song is to a click track at some at beat 48 in the click track, the like explosion sound might go off or something. You know what I mean? Something like that. Uh, So you can imagine that the band needs to be absolutely fucking perfect because it will set it could set off a domino effect. Oh, God. Yeah. Hell. I mean, absolute hell. Um, I have heard these things happen occasionally. Very, very few times in my life. It is not good. Sometimes. Uh, I cannot speak to Hamilton, but sometimes things like lighting or set like automated set maneuvers and shit can all be cued to the same click track. So like if somebody, you know, if the music director who's running, playing, usually playing piano and running those kind of cues and stuff, if something goes wrong, I mean, it's possible that set pieces can move at the wrong time. Lighting can go. It's, it's, oh my God, it's wild. Uh, And of course, very tremendously rarely do things like that ever happen but it could and that's what happened all the time with spider-man turn off the dark i will not comment on any <laughs> uh, right right that was like that was that like that u2 spider-man yeah, yeah. yeah did you they too. like kill people or something what the heck <laughs> I can't remember. yeah Bono there were a lot throws. of a lot of injuries a few uh, i believe ended careers it was, it was a not damn, a great thing damn oh, yeah but so hey here, 
But go oh, ahead, ahead, Ben. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, my favorite song, I'm going to make sure we get to it while we're playing stuff, is uh, it took a while for this one to really grow on me. But again, it's another one of those songs that it's not the flashiest on the on the rap end of the spectrum. And so maybe it doesn't get enough time of the sun out of the gate. But uh, Wait For It uh, has grown to become my favorite song. If you want to. I'm glad this happened. Okay. I will, I will, I will vomit about this song when we're done listening to it. Oh, please, please. Okay, Jason, play a clip, like a minute in there or something. My mother was a genius. My father commanded respect. When they died, they left no instructions. Just a legacy to protect. Death doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. It takes and it takes and it takes. And we keep living anyway. We rise and we fall and we break and we make mistakes. And if there's a reason I'm still alive when everyone who loves me has died, I'm willing to wait for it. Wait for it. I'm willing to wait for it. So would you say this is almost Burr's uh, want song in the in the performance? Very era? good. You did. It. All right, thank, true, you, yes. thank you. Yes. Yeah, I, I would love to hear what you want to say about this tune first, and then I'll and then I'll kind of dork out about it. Oh my gosh, um, I don't know how much I can say. It's just I remember even seeing it live. Uh, it just brings the house down. I don't know. It, it might differ based on performer overall, but it gives me goosebumps. I just absolutely crank it in the car every time it comes on. It's so unexpected and different. And, you know, up until this point, Zig Burr is like, okay, he's that other guy in the musical, got it, moving on. And then for a song this powerful to come in when it does and immediately, you know, makes Burr grab your attention throughout the rest of the musical and almost have you rooting for him in a way. I mean, it's a huge amount of weight that this one song has to lift. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said... I mean, the work that... The work that is... We all know Aaron Burr is the dude who killed Alexander Hamilton. You know that when you're like 10, right? In history class. And like the work... What you said there about lifting weight, the work that this song is doing is like mammoth in its um in in the humanization of of a character that you have thought you've known about for so long and and the overwhelming polar complete total opposite of hamilton you know you had said you had said um is this also his i want song and i'm yeah so now i want you to think about what hamilton's i want song is right you've got this guy who is Rapping his ass off fast, it's flashy. All around him are are dancers fucking flipping around. People like it is a moment. And then you got this other guy who shows up who could not be more ideologically different in every single way that he processes um li- life. Every single thing that he does. And it and it it helps justify everything he does. It helps a song like The Room Where It Happens later in the show when he fucking pops off and is like, I'm not waiting anymore hit so much harder mm-hmm. but the 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 build of this song blows my mind because it's like this guy 
ha- he he the song fe- is waiting for something. You know what I mean? Like it is such a song that sums up like the life of a person whose whole idea is built around like I'm going to do this right. I'm going to wait. It will come to me if I work hard enough. And then you know, you see what happens later and you see that every step along the way this Hamilton guy like fucked this guy's whole life up. Right. Not on purpose, but it happened. And it's like such an it's such a a reflection on just like that kind of person who 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 wants to succeed and their but their ambition is kind of it's it's wielded. You know, they try to use their ambition and how sometimes there are other people who cross your path who just like knock you off a course that you planned. And I think it I think the song sounds like that. I know that's like weird to say, but it like it really hits, it explodes, and then he, you know, just gets he collects himself. You know what I mean? Like the song gets huge, 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 and he goes, and I'm willing to, and then it gets silent. He says, wait for it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a huge explosion, boom, right back in on this guy. And it, I don't know why it, it has the emotional response that it has too. I think there's, again, like if I'm going to get a little like emotional about it, you know, watching a, watching a, a black man sing this song after everything that this country has fucking done to black people. Right. I don't mean to get too heavy here on no, this no. podcast for music, but it's th- it's there in that song. You know what I mean? And you're watching this guy take center stage. It's the first time every other cast member is just standing around him watching and listening. There's no movement. He's just there like kind of claiming his space. And it it really, there's something in that, something magic in that about watching someone say like, I've, I've been waiting for something to happen and I'm going to, do it and it, it, it am i making sense no, no absolutely no. and like you know lynn well i think in an interview not too long ago was talking about listening to hamilton or watching hamilton now you know in 2020 and the scenes that stand out to him it's interesting you bring up burr he brought up that a lot of people specifically with black lives matter are using the line from hamilton in my shot where he says i'm past patiently waiting so again it's just demonstrating those two approaches to right. what to do with society here okay right. so, wow that's you i feel like i missed out a lot of you know because I, I don't, I didn't know who was singing what. You know what I mean? And mm, I didn't know sure. what race they were, or whatever. But I mean, I kind of felt like Burr got a bad rap in the whole thing a little bit because I always just felt like Hamilton's like, oh man, I'm gonna just tell King George to S my D and go pee on the steps. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like Burr's right, like, whoa, right. buddy, why don't we just like chill out for one second? And he's like, no way, sell out. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. But and, no, uh, I mean, I get, I get what you're saying, um, Alex. And boy, it was a it was an article. It, we, now I'm just gonna get all political, whatever. But I read this article about how you know in, in the Democratic primaries this year, you know Bernie Sanders basically kind of ran aground in you know Georgia and the southern states, basically not being able to reach the you know black community like Joe Biden did. And I think people were kind of wondering why that was. And I read a really good article. It was sort of about like you people don't understand is that like. Black Democrats in the South are inherently cautious because they know what this country is capable of. And that really stuck with me. You know what I mean? That that you might that that like the younger people in the North that were really on the Bernie bandwagon couldn't understand why they, they weren't going for that. And it was sort of this idea that like this caution has really been a hard earned lesson over many, 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 you know, decades and centuries. So I think I think that kind of dovetails a little bit with what you were talking about. Totally. And look, I you know, I don't know the intent 
you know, writer's intent behind this song. But as a person watching it, I remember that's how I felt when I was seeing it. And I was hearing that song for the first time and just like, you know, it, it's it's powerful. And it's it's why, again, going back to everything I said at the beginning, it's why I think the show works is um, giving it's it, it, the, the goal by casting the show the way that they cast it, which is almost exclusively, you know, people of color is to watch them take up space and claim ownership over you know a history that left them out so i i think i think it's everything everything in the show lands differently i think when you think about that you know no yeah, definitely absolutely and the um you know in one of those recent interviews too because lynn's out there doing interviews for the disney plus version he was talking about uh hamilton and burr and just crystallized things in a way that is maybe obvious to everybody else, but I really hadn't clicked in with it until that point, saying that, you know, the musical is ultimately about two different approaches to the ticking clock of life. Hamilton's trying to charge at it, and Burr is just paralyzed by the fear of the ticking clock. And then the moment at the end of the musical when Burr shoots and Hamilton uh, shoots in the air is the moment where they least acted like themselves, and ironically, that's the one that both of them are remembered for is Burr's right. remembered, oh, he took the action and, and killed Hamilton when throughout the rest of their lives, they've been behaving in the complete opposite way. Yep, a beautiful way to put it. Well, <laughs> the only thing I have left is a really random thing, but, and I don't even, it seems like really dumb after what we just talked about. But, <laughs> uh, but that, you know, it's a podcast, so God forbid that I don't say it. Um, I didn't really love, I, I think I got the sense, and, and you mentioned this at the beginning, there's sort of these callback things, like, I really got the sense that they felt like the whole Burr Sir thing was like super clever. <laughs> and they kind of kept going back to that well throughout. And I was kind of like, I just kind of annoyed me, to be honest. The whole like, Burr Sir, yes, sir, Burr, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I don't, I, and like, I, I don't know. I don't know what, but maybe that's like, again, you know, it's, I know there's certain devices as you were talking about in terms of how you construct a musical that I guess you need musical. I don't know, like mo- motifs. motifs or callbacks, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I, do, I, mean, I do beseech you, though, I Matt. Got... Like, try to hear the word burser again in your life without thinking <laughs> of that song, though. Like, I, I left college before this musical was on Broadway, before it was popular. And, like, I had heard the word once before this musical, and now I cannot stop hearing it everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's effective. It's the most I've ever heard the word, yeah, burser. That's not a word you hear, you know? Well, yeah, and he, later in the song, says... You punched the burser, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you know, he yeah. pays it off. It's it's we it's cute. It. I, I, under, I can understand why it, gra- it could great, but it's it's a, like a cute, winky thing. Yes. yes, yes. When it's fast and just like in a quick exchange with Washington, it's like okay, it's kind of fun how quickly it moves along. But when they're really just reminding you, they're like, hey, his name's Burr. Let's keep playing with that. So yeah, the the second half is when I got more confused. So so he was. John Adams, secretary, or he was Washington's secretary of the treasury. Yeah. And then, and John Adams is like, fuck you. Or how did that go? Yeah. What is it? Cause John Adams is with Jefferson overall. Or are they on different? Yeah. And Jeffer- Jefferson and, uh, Jefferson and Adams were together. Uh, am I saying that correctly? Yes. Uh, they were working together. I don't remember the exact, um, places, you know, roles in, in, the deal but you know they just hamilton and um jefferson were just so completely in disagreement about everything that politicians could be in disagreement about you know what i mean yeah so i 
Yeah. Should well, we listen to talk- Cabinet Battle, by the way? I don't think we listened yeah, to that one. Yeah, we should I listen to that, because that's, that's, a, that's a fun one, and that kind of maybe encapsulates a lot of these conflicts. Time to stand. Stand with our brothers as they fight against tyranny. I know that Alexander Hamilton is here, and he would rather not have this debate. I'll remind you that he is not Secretary of State. He knows nothing of loyalty. Smells like new money, dresses like fake royalty. Desperate to rise above his station. Everything he does betrays the ideals of our nation. Hey, and if you don't know, now you know, Mr. President. Thank you, Secretary Jefferson. Secretary Hamilton, your response. You must be out of your goddamn mind if you think the president is gonna bring the nation to the brink of meddling in the middle of a military mess, a game of chess where France is queen and kingless. Who signed a treaty with a king whose head is now in a basket? Would you like to take it out and ask it? Or should we honor our treaty, King Louis' head? Uh, do whatever you want. I'm super dead. Enough, enough. Hamilton is right, Mr. President. It's too fragile to start another fight, but. Sir, do we not fight for freedom? Sure, when the French figure out who's gonna lead them. The people are leading. The people are rioting. There's a difference. Frankly, it's a little disquieting. You would let your ideals blind you to reality. Hamilton, sir, draft a statement of neutrality. Did you forget Lafayette? What? Have you an ounce of regret? You accumulate debt. That line lands different, too, when you know it's the same action plan. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously the... Tension built up with Jefferson that's all then funneled when he sides with Jefferson over Aaron Burr for the endorsement just because he doesn't believe that Burr believes in anything, whereas Jefferson is misguided but at least is passionate about his beliefs. You're nothing without Washington behind you. Super fun, though. Oh, totally. And again, you know, another staging moment. It's staged like a probably exactly what you think it looks like. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's two dudes just like doing the thing against each other and a bunch of people just sitting off on the sides like hooting and hollering and being like oh man that guy burned that guy and it's it's great i can't remember the name of the song but there was only the the one time i was the most pissed at hamilton was like oh my god it was like his wife wanted him to come up to like hang out at a lake yeah and then the sister came all the way from europe to like see him right and he's just like "Ah, no i'm good i gotta i got stuff to do i was like damn dude (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's cold yeah didn't you think that and, was i don't know i thought that was like damn yeah i mean i think it's also just like speaking to speaking to his just unquenchable drive that the thought of taking time off would sooner kill him than you know what i mean like he can't he can't do it he's just a dude who had to be productive constantly because again of his need to escape the fear of death just by pushing forward constantly but yes, of course, also he was just like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like the the sisters, yeah, they were kind of hard done in this whole thing. Yes. Oh, well, absolutely. Always. Yeah, that's probably true. I don't know. Anyone else? Have any other songs that people wanted to highlight or? I think I'll throw I'll throw my one one last one out if uh, I haven't already spoken enough, but I will say um there's this lyric that's so goddamn good in the song Washington on your side. Um, again, another one that just like, let me, let me find it. I've, I've got it pulled up in a lyric. <laughs> like, I just can't, I'm going to read two little stanzas uh, where Jefferson says, I get no satisfaction witnessing his fits of passion, the way he primps and preens and dresses like the pits of fashion. 
uh, poorer citizens are farmers of rational ration as Wall Street robs them blind in search of chips to cash in. This prick is asking for someone to bring him to task. Someone give me some dirt on his vacuous mask so we can at last unmask him. I'll pull the trigger on him. Someone load the gun and cock it while we were all watching. He got Washington in his pocket. <laughs> That's like so mind-blowingly good to me. And there's like, uh, where is it? Hang on. Uh, and then following, he says later when he realizes he has to do something, you know, about what's going on. I'm in the cabinet. I am complicit in watching him grabbing the power and kiss it. If Washington isn't going to listen to disciplined dissidents, this is the difference. This kid is out. <laughs> and for someone like me who has a slight lisp, that is horrific for me to say. But um, it's just, it's just, it's just a killer. And it, you know, we we go back to clipping. Like I feel like this is David at his most clipping, which you know speaks to yeah speaks to the impact an original cast can sometimes have on the work that is being created. You know what I mean? Like, this is a great example of... Well, you need somebody you know, that can do that before you can write yeah, it. Yeah, you know I mean? that's right. And, you know, Lynn's not going to have the idea unless he knows, you know, he's writing these songs, but he's writing them, he knows who the performers are, and mm-hmm. over years of development, you know, that's why that's why um, original casts are, are really, you know, they're key parts of developing material, right? And yeah. Why, you know, a lot of times with Hamilton specifically, there was a, there was a, um, you can read a bit about it. It's a little dense and, you know, legally, but these actors were fighting for financial remuneration on the back end of the show, which never really happens in theater. It does sometimes, but frequently not. And, you know, when you've put your mark on something so firmly and the show's making a gazillion dollars a week, you know, those actors yeah. want it to be taken care of. So I, it's very, I'm very glad to see that their very unique contributions ended up paying off and, you know, they were able to get paid continuously as the show's running and, and on this, uh, cool movie that's about to be out. That's great. Yeah. I mean, because especially in, in this case, especially with the rapping, because there's certainly times I think, and not that he's not technically skilled as a rapper, but there are times in, in that sense where he's definitely writing stuff. I don't think he can do. I wonder, you know, I wonder if he can, but Maybe, I, think, I don't know. You know, I think that that section we listened to earlier in Guns and Ships was definitely one. He's like, "Yo, I've got David. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him. <laughs> I'm gonna make him rap really fast. Open the throttle, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna like blow these people's brains out. <laughs> and it, it worked definitely. So I don't know any. Fun, I mean, I feel like we've covered it pretty well. I, I think that I'm very I'm interested because my daughter is nine and she's very excited. She's heard about Hamilton from her elementary school friends, and it's coming on Disney Plus, which every America's elementary kids are addicted to. And so she's super excited about seeing Hamilton. She's been talking about it now for a while. So oh, I'm definitely wow. gonna, I'm definitely going to see it, and it'll be interesting to me to actually now, you know, see this real performance because, like I said. And as it's probably come through, there was definitely things I think that went over my head, in, in especially with who was performing what and and certain plot points. So I mean, I think it'll be interesting for me to actually see it now that I've I've spent some time with it as just an album. Oh yeah, please report back on the next Min Tracks uh, what you think about it, and specifically like what your daughter thinks about because you know I'm so curious about how much this is going to be shown in schools, like the Disney Plus film, and just the huge impact. Because I'm sure Alex. You know, working in this industry, it seems like everybody in the world has seen this, but it's still just a fraction of the world in the United States that's managed to make it out to a theater. And Disney Plus, oh my God, it's going to it's going to dominate for the next couple of weeks here. Totally. And I look, I hope it does. You know, for for too long. Um, you know, again, obviously, like 
I believe the show should be able to make money, of course. But, um, you know, for too long, people haven't been able to see this thing. And uh, there was definitely, you know, the show did a lot of work to make tickets available to people uh, who could, you know, to make cheaper tickets available. There were like rush tickets that you could get for, I think, $20 or, or $10, right? That's what Hamilton's on, the 10 Uh <laughs> Yeah, to $10, you know, for one Hamilton. And they did a lot of outreach for kids in schools. But I just constantly think of the the amount of kids around the country who don't even know that theater exists, who don't see themselves represented in media uh, enough and are going to see this thing in their home and say, you know, I, I can't even think, you know, the, the again, the, the person who's passionate about theater in me uh, really gets moved by the idea of the amount of people who are going to see this thing and uh, their life will probably change instantly. Yeah. That's awesome. That seems like a good place to leave it with that thought. Probably, yes. Um, well, Alex, number one, thanks uh, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. I think it was a really fun conversation, and obviously your uh, kind of experience and perspective on it really you know, w- was great to hear and, and I think gave us a greater level of understanding of this whole thing than, than we would have had. So I, I thank you so much. Of course. I'm, I'm- Glad to have been here, and I hope I didn't sound too much like a raving lunatic. Not at all. You get you get a little bit more of a chance to do it if you got a time to stick around for a couple of community questions. Sure. Excellent. Uh, well, then I'll just spend a little bit of time mentioning that, uh, of course, this show is free and available to anyone, but if you become a uh, supporter of MinMax at any tier, that's patreon.com slash MinMax with two Ns, uh, you get to leave us questions and suggest songs that we'll play at the end of every episode of MinTrax. Um We've got a good crop of them this week, uh, starting with uh, one for the group. Uh, but I, I assume that at least one person here isn't really going to have much of an answer. Uh, Jeff Endright, uh, a.k.a. Groffles, says, Hey, Traxers, Hamilton, yes, I am not a fan of most musicals and are not, uh, and rap and hip-hop are not really my favorite music genre. Uh, but despite my interest in the fa- in that fact, I've never seen Hamilton. Uh, I believe it may be my second favorite musical of all time, um, second only to Book of Mormon, which he considers perfect. Uh, the question here is, what are your favorite musical productions? Oh man, Alex, you got to go first. You're the expert here. Sure. Uh, I, my, f- um, God, favorite is a hard word. Uh, the original, pro- so I was in the Broadway, Broadway revival of Spring Awakening, uh, which is when a show comes back after having been done. It's a new production, new director, new, you know, actor, just totally re-envisioned, right? And it's not going to be the same show. Um, the original production of Spring Awakening in 2006 was very uh, important for me because I was 16 years old and didn't even know that I wanted to act at all. And I had seen that show uh, and it really, uh, really, I mean, I'm here. You know what I mean? So I, it was it was a crucial viewing experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen too much on stage, obviously growing up with, you know, being a big fan of Disney, all that nonsense that'll infect you. But um I think growing up too, outside of like the Disney realm, Little Shop of Horrors had a big impact on me. Like, <laughs> I was totally you know, my mom, that, yeah, my mom introduced me to that when I was super young, so still at the point where it was kind of scary and freaky. But then I just rewatched it a couple years ago, I guess as an adult, and that Skid Row song and Little Shop of Horrors was in my soul for three weeks. I could just not get it out. I listened to it hundreds of times, so I still have a really soft spot in my heart for that. And it was super fun because I watched it. Uh, at a friend's house who had never seen it and were a little bit under the influence and stuff and watching Little Shop of Horrors, he had no idea what it was. And early on in that, he goes, you know, it would be awesome 
as if like that plant kept growing and growing and they had to like keep feeding living people to the plant. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, man, that would make for a pretty sweet musical. Let's watch the rest of the film now. Very good. I actually do have one, Jason. Oh, really? Yes, I do. Well, it's to point people to a a movie. um, And it's not super well-known, a little bit well-known. I think it was based on an off-Broadway. I doubt it ever made it to Broadway. Uh, it, it's a movie from about, I don't know, it's probably early 2000s, called Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Of course it made it to Broadway. It's one of my favorite shows of all oh, time. Oh, it did? Okay. I didn't know if it, you know. Cause oh, yeah. It, so, you I mean, well, you know what then. Like... It, it's, it's basically like sort of uh, the character Hedwig, it had a, a sort of a botched sex change operation, hence the Angry Inch uh, in the title. But, um, you know, it's basically sort of very influenced by the kind of early 70s, kind of Bowie-ish. Iggy Pop, you know, kind of, uh, um, yeah, you know, just that that whole kind of scene of glam rock and stuff, and it's just it's really an amazing. I thought it was a great movie, Alex. I don't I, you you said it's one of your favorites. It's uh yeah the the show is a little structured a little differently. Um, you you are at a concert of Hedwig's is the show, and uh, she just is taking you so it's the same plot of the movie but it's not like a narrative experience it's you are the audience and hedwig is with you and she is telling you telling you through everything and um it's it's really really pretty great um neil patrick harris actually is who played hedwig in the broader revival and won a tony award wow okay the movie's really good too i don't i mean the movie's much different the movie's great narrative kind of movie is great um and then obviously i mean you got to kind of shout out if you shout out hedwig hedwig you got to kind of shout out you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, which I kind of consider sort of like pretty well known, but I guess with probably not that well known maybe anymore. I don't know. But, um, you know, that's kind of, I don't know, a classic of kind of cult filmmaking and, and musicals as well. Great. Uh, Ronnie Barrier asks, asks a question specifically for Alex, uh, and it is, if you got the chance to play a character in Hamilton, if that's even something you would want to do, which character would it be? <laughs> well, there's only one that would be appropriate, uh, and that would be King George. Uh, it is the only role uh, that is not traditionally played uh, by a person of color. Uh, that's kind of the joke, is that the one white guy shows up and fucking ruins everything. Um, so it would be King George. The right answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, to the group, um, Tim Lauro says, first of all, uh, you're welcome for the comment which yielded the first mention of Hamilton. Uh, back when we had our episode, or our guest, uh, Kyle Hilliard on, Tim asked the question that led us to talking about musicals, that led us to talking about Hamilton, that ah. led us to talking about how Matt had never seen or heard Hamilton. Uh, he takes check or PayPal if you want to forward him some funds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but his question is, why are OSTs, including musicals, so often ignored among the, uh, among music media and enthusiasts? I think what he's scratching at there is, why don't they get the same kind of mainstream attention? Usually, Hamilton is obviously a breakout example, usually uh, in the mainstream that you know traditionally recorded records and albums do. I mean, I can, I feel like I can speak to this pretty pretty uh, decisively yeah Yeah, please okay yeah i mean i think it's what i was saying right it's hard for a musical to break through right because like first of all you know musicals have a reputation that some people like or like i don't like musicals which you should find out for yourself but a lot of people dismiss them right away um i think a lot of people think musicals are like you know let them laugh which is like not you know some are of course but not all of them so i think it's tough um but you know 
there needs to be a, a moment and there needs to be a breakthrough thing. And it's, it's crucial. And I think it has a lot to do with how uh, theater is marketed. I think it has a lot to do with who theater is marketed to. Um, if that makes any sense, you know, how is, how is the mainstream going to hear about a Broadway musical that's running if they live in Idaho and why do they give a shit? They can't see the show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so it has to do a lot. Things have been changing in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, you'll see the leading actors in musicals show up on like Jimmy Fallon or like, you know, Colbert and stuff like that. So it, it takes that. Um, and of course, you know, again, like shows like rent shows like, you know, hair years and years ago broke through. Um, I think, I think it, 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 I think it took Hamilton at least in recent memory to kick a door open for people, um, just culturally to think that they can listen to these things and enjoy them. Because again, the following year after, uh, Hamilton was Dear Evan Hansen, the show that I was in, and it experienced a really similar level of fanfare you know what i mean because i think people were itching and realized um oh this could uh this could we could keep doing this we could keep enjoying (laughs) musicals so uh, you know i'd be interesting to go back and see like what charted on billboard right like i'm sure dear evan hansen did uh we know hamilton did uh so that's an interesting thing but i think i think there's a lot of judgment from people who think they won't like it and don't try combined with um combined with Access. Yeah. I think access is important. And maybe just to be more direct to what you're saying, I mean, traditionally, I think I also like I've gone to the Minnesota Orchestra a few times, which is a, a great orchestra here. Um, and it's really amazing to see, you know, an orchestra live. I hadn't done that. And I've done I've done that a few times in the past few years. But, you know, like to be frank, these things are seen to be for a white people and b rich white people. I mean, to put a fine point on it, you know what I mean? And so I think that, that you are right that Hamilton and classical music could both, you know, or I think they could both benefit from broadening, you know, who they market themselves to and how they're perceived. Cause like, I tell you what, if you want to feel young, go to the orchestra, <laughs> you'd be yeah. like, man, I'm, you know, I'm like 18 yeah. again. Cause everyone's <laughs> yeah. like, everyone's like 70. You know what I mean? Um, without, without getting on a soapbox, I'll just very quickly say, I could not agree with you more. Uh, theater needs to, needs to do work to reach out to communities that are not white they have to they have to do work to to show these people that it is a, if it is a career that is available to them that it is something they can do uh i you know this conversation has been coming up a lot recently um and what we can do to change this and it starts with it starts everywhere it starts it just they need to be shown people need to be shown that something is possible for them before they even consider that it's possible. So a lot of work has to be done to diversify uh, theater. And I yep. will say that forever. Yeah. Sure. That, that, uh, and that's, very, that's great. very quickly, not, not to cut you off. No, 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 go ahead. You will cut go this ahead. out. No, I have to run and give my girlfriend a towel because she's trapped in the bathroom. <laughs> One second. I'll be right back. Damn. This is like dramatic. Um, as, as, while we're dealing with the towel situation. Um, I also, I would say, and I think this kind of came out in this podcast with me is, it probably is, as an album, not as good of an experience. I mean, it's obviously mm. not, right? I mean, because it's 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 only half the experience, right? I mean, I'm hearing the well, songs, but yeah, I'm not I'm, seeing the performance. I'm, 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 I'm not seeing the, the staging. I'm, right. I'm sure, like, I was ultimately kind of mediocre on Hamilton. You know what I mean? There was parts I liked, a lot of parts I really didn't. Sure. You know, and I kind of came in the middle on it. But I'm sure when I watch it, you know, when it's on Disney Plus with my daughter... I'll probably like. I'll definitely like it more. You know what I mean. I don't think I'll like it less. Right. I, uh, I guess 
to skirt, excuse me, skirt, sort of skirt around that point, Ben, were you like jamming to this album? Were you cranking this music before you ever saw it live? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that um, that sort of is my bellwether for like, is it? It's probably better to see to see it happening and listen, right? But it's not like it can't be successful or effective without it. Yeah, I think so. I I don't know. I'd argue the fifty fifty thing. Like, I had a weird experience where I love the the album so much and I listened to it so much, and then watching it live, like. It was awesome. It was more interesting. It added new layers. It was like, oh, this is where Hamilton and Burr meet. They're outside at the night. Okay. Just fun things like that. Um, but I actually had a weird experience watching it for the first time where I thought I'd be my most emotional listening to this music during the live production. And it's like, I, I wasn't really. You know, I, I shed tears to this album just in my car on my own. And then in the theater, it's like, oh, this is really neat. But there's something where it almost kind of would distract from the heart and soul of the music in a way because there is so much to look at and it's so bombastic. Interesting. So almost like sensory overload where the music is more of a direct, just like hook it into your veins. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. But I'm curious what you think about the actual Disney Plus version now because it's going to be fun to see. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, my daughter just, and she has, I don't know, kids kind of just pick up on these like vague ideas of things that are like, I don't know, like Old Town Road or something like that. You know, <laughs> and they're just are sort of like out there in like the world. So she, it's just like she knows Hamilton's a big deal. Right, right. But well, she I doesn't appreciate... know what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's I gotten really you... into The Simpsons lately. So you know what I mean? Just because she had a vague <laughs> idea that like The Simpsons were this thing, you know? Oh, weird. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you going outside of your comfort zone for Hamilton, Helgeson. <laughs> no, man. You know, it's, it's, it was interesting. I mean, you know, I, I kind of feel good because it's such a cultural thing that I just sort of missed out on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Now you're an expert. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know about that, but <laughs> uh, do we have, I know Al- enough. Do we have Alex back? You do. Hey, Alex, uh, a follow-up question that I had to, like you were talking about what a uh, musical these days really needs to sort of break through what's going to get it mainstream attention, accessibility and stuff. Did, uh, of course, you being a co-producer for Hade, the Broadway revival of, of Town last year, that's you know some, some time between when Hamilton hit Broadway and when Town came back. Uh, what lessons did you, do you think that you and the company and, and I guess the production learned from seeing this, this, excuse me, the success of Hamilton? That's a, that's a really cool question, uh, actually. I, so I'll say a few things to explain first to so it makes sense what i'm saying uh the first thing uh hadestown uh not a revival actually it was it's the it's a new show that's what i, um, that's so that's what I get for trying to sound like a it's okay you did you did okay i hope i didn't uh didn't neg you too hard there oh no no uh anyway it's totally fine um you know hadestown is a uh, I recommend you check it out because it was uh, a concept album before it was a musical. Uh, it's another like almost entirely sung through show uh, by someone named uh, Aeneas Mitchell. She's amazing. Uh, it's the story of Orpheus and Eurydice uh, and Hades and Persephone, the you know the Greek myth. Uh, if you're familiar with that, uh, you check the original album out though too, specifically since it's a music podcast um, because uh, it's really cool. Uh, Bonnie Bear plays uh, Orpheus in the on the original album. It's really Bonnie something. Bear. Yeah, in the wild, it, it, you should really check it out. Um, it's a, it's a folk musical, uh, you know, lots of a- actor musicians playing their own instruments on stage. It's very beautiful. But um, then I'll explain. So I'm a co-producer on the show, which means I have no creative say in the show whatsoever. Um, I basically the the lead producers of a musical are the ones who, you know, they can have opinions on the material. They can they talk about casting. They talk about 
they can say to the director, hey, this moment isn't really working. I encourage you to try something else. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Um, those are the lead producers. And then also the lead producer's job is to get many, many co-producers uh, who raise money. Um, so, you know, my job, because I was passionate about the show, I knew it was coming to Broadway. I reached out to some people. Um, my girlfriend and I did it together because we, you know, we believed in it. And so we, you know, made calls, raised money, explained to people how, w- what their money would do. You know what I mean? It's very complicated, um, but it went well and we won a very fancy trophy for it. Um, so I think, you know, I can speak to Hadestown. I can speak to Dear Evan Hansen. Again, I think the things people learned were that I don't know how I feel about this as a person, um, but I think it taught people to market Broadway shows as a premium item um, in the way that like an Apple product is a very premium item. If that makes any sense, it is very, uh, if you want to be fancy, if you want, like the celebrities have it, you know what I mean? A lot of people did that and that's for better or for worse because it, it means a lot of money in a lot of people's pockets. But I think that it can also, and, and it, and it, Hmm. By a show being successful, I think it also shows people, again, more access that it exists, but then it removes their access and their ability to see the show because the tickets get so fucking expensive. So, you know, I don't know if I'm quite answering your question, but I think that people people learned a lot about marketing and people learned, I think, that audiences were ready for more weight in their material. You know, Hamilton is not an easy you know, you're being asked to sit down for two and a half hours to watch an almost entirely wrapped through story of the founding fathers, right? It's a lot. Um, and then the next year, Dear Evan Hansen is a story about a, a boy with a, a social anxiety disorder and how he deals with the suicide of a, a classmate. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. audiences want more and they're ready for more and they can digest more. And I also think Hamilton uh, encouraged that. But more specifically, I... Uh, I hope that Hamilton, it's really hard to know because again, I, I talk about a lot of um, the the issues involving race in specifically the theater industry. I hope that Hamilton started conversations. It's hard to look back and know if it did um, and know how much good was done because again, you know, I'm still talking to my friends who are black who are in the industry who are telling me stories that I never had heard about their treatment. You know what I mean? And, and ways that they were made to feel less than or othered by this industry. So, you know, I think a lot of people hoped that Hamilton was going to do that. And I'm sure it did do a lot of good. But I think um, I think we've, we've realized that uh, audiences are ready for quality material, not like movie musicals, uh, or musical movies, I should say, musicals based on movies. They want real material and they want to see... They want to see diverse, diverse casts and people telling stories that they haven't heard before, which is hard for people with checkbooks to get through their fucking heads. Mm. Um, if I'm being blunt, but it is what it is, what is being demanded by, um, by audiences, I think. So I hope that, I hope that it started conversations that are maybe only now paying off. If that makes sense again, because of everything that's happening in the world right now, people are looking at looking at race differently. So I, I hope that that is the thing that people learn from Hamilton is that there is, there is room and there must be more room for equity and equality in all industries, but specifically this one. Very eloquently answered. That's better than I probably could have even asked. <laughs> uh, I don't know if, how many folks on here are aware, but uh, Ben Hansen is 
well known from his Game Informer mm. days through MinMax uh, for asserting that Hamilton is, and correct me if I'm wrong, the greatest work of art of all time. To be fair, that started on the Game Informer show because I was quoting uh, Michelle Obama, who said that it is the greatest work of art of all time. And so then that oh, launched, well, okay. that breaks, launched but... a whole thing <laughs> about yeah. people trying to figure out what is the greatest work of art of all time. And we got hundreds of emails throughout the course of, you know, like six months on the podcast uh, with people volleying their entry. I didn't see one that immediately was like, yes, this is definitively better. There was an interesting one where somebody argued that professional wrestling was the greatest art work of art <sighs> of all time, just for the ongoing story, the drama, the right. dynamics. Christ. And it's like, okay, that's an interesting case you could make if you take it as a whole. But, uh, yeah, but you know, it's, it's also... Okay. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, Alex... It's really right. dumb, too. I mean, like, yeah, like, I loved Hulk Hogan and everything, but, I mean... Okay. Okay. <laughs> sorry, that's probably the sorry, one, you, sorry, probably proof, the one not sorry, to love. Yeah, everybody like, you know, but that one. Like, that one time that, like, Stone Cold, like, ran in on somebody. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, anyways, there are a lot of options out there, and personally, I don't know. It's an arbitrary, silly thing, but it's like, if you got to give it to something, sure, let's give it to Hamilton. Hmm. I, I think... That it achieved everything, you know, what is what is the value of art, right? But, like, it achieved everything I think it sought out to do. It was, it is good. I, I think, I think if we can, oh, man, I can't do this. This is impossible. <laughs> oh, I only bring it up as context. The true answer is the 1994 uh, Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle twins. No, that's right. Sure, yes, of course. Uh, I'm glad I could be of some use. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be serious just because it, it it's free right now in, in light of everything that's been going on. But um, you can rent it free on Amazon. I think it's other places. But Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. <gasps> if you haven't seen that film, number one, you need to see that film. And number two, for a film that came out in 1989... It is incredibly relevant and I think incredibly powerful to this day. And it's an amazingly shot film on many, yeah. many different levels. And, and like, uh, I, I was actually like, I hadn't seen it for many years and I just watched it and I was blown away by how much and almost maybe sadly how relevant it was really. Yeah. Um, but that, that, that was staggering to me how good of a film that still is and how, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, you, you should just see it. So I, that's just my, I'm just going to throw that in there. I'm not I'm saying anything's the best of all time or whatever, but. Hey, you got to um, say it, Helgus, and you got to, you got to lay it down well, right it, now. It might be the most important American film of all time. Wow. All right. I mean, if you watch that movie now in light of the last few months and everything that's happened and how, and how he could have made that movie, you know, in, in 89, it, it's pretty amazing. So I would encourage everyone to watch that. I have a hard time coming up with an argument to that. It is a legitimately stunning and. A heartbreakingly prescient piece of filmmaking. Um, the heart of that question uh, is, I guess, Flaming Queso kind of wants to know where everybody is after today's discussion. Are you further from that opinion? Do you under, do you feel like you understand the whole thing a little better? Obviously, Matt coming from a zero is you know climbing closer and closer to an understanding. Uh, but how's everybody feeling post discussion about like the fidelity of of Hamilton? Uh, I came in loving it, and I'm leaving. Loving it. And I'm really looking forward to watching the, the film version soon. But I know I cannot compete with the super fans who are uh, nutso about it. Um, so, yeah, of course, I still love it. And I, I would not be aghast if Michelle Obama told me that to my face. I don't know. I, how to I would be that. because why is Michelle Obama fucking talking to well, you? Well, I guess I'd be aghast when she showed up. Yeah, I would be aghast above my bed or whatever. Yes, 
<laughs> yeah, read it to Jay- her. Hey, Jason, uh, could you get her maybe maybe next episode? You know, should I just patch her yeah. in here? Yeah, just throw, throw <laughs> it. Just get at her on Slack. <laughs> Hashtag White House. Um, uh, well, I, I kind of want to ask a stupid question. Can I ask you a stupid question that's video gamey? Yes, of course. Can Hamilton now be considered part of Disney canon? And if so, can we expect to see Hamilton characters in Kingdom Hearts? And if so, what is the name of Lin-Manuel Miranda's nobody? Jesus Christ. Um, okay, how does how does that work? They throw an X in the name? I think so. <laughs> so it would be Lixen. I, I'm not a Kingdom Hearts man, but yeah, that sounds good. Well, that's a good music Hang thing. Hang on, so- I'm on it. Hang on. Wait, you're figuring it out? Yeah, hold on. Okay. La- oh fuck. Lanuminalrandexmal. <laughs> yeah. There's a guest, baby. Wow. Oh, I yeah. fucking hate Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I I am published on uh giantbomb.com saying so much uh, about how much I hated Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> Correct. Wonderful. Uh, we teased it out of him again. Uh, Dylan Drazek wants to know, with the rising popularity of Hamilton and its continued relevance, excuse me, the continued relevance of its message, what musical definitely deserves a second look? I think this, Matt, probably brings up uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch again, but I'm really looking mm. to dig into Alex. Um, you're sort of, I'm assuming you have the greatest wealth of Broadway knowledge here. What else uh, are people overlooking lately that maybe could could deserve the, the, the re-look? <sighs> That's a really cool question. Um, you guys have, there really have been some great questions. Um, I, I don't, okay. Uh, there's one, I don't think it's overlooked, but I think it's one you guys, you know, especially as people who enjoy music should check out. It's called, uh, the great comet. Uh, let me, that's the short name. Hang on. Let me get the full name. Uh, Natasha Pierre and the great comet of 1812. It's, uh, just a few years old. It came out, um, the same year as Dear Evan Hansen, so you know, hard to hard to uh, be actively remembered against a show that you know achieved such mainstream success. It's this wild show by this dude named Dave Malloy, who's like a prolifically good songwriter, um, and it is based on it's entirely sung through, and it is based on a seventy-page segment from War and Peace, like what th- that War and Peace. It is he took seventy pages of it and he musicalized it. And it is like, I don't even know how to describe the style of music. It's like, it gets like, I don't know, it gets, it's rock, it gets folk, it gets musical theater, it gets electronic. It's really, really killer. Uh, Josh Groban played the role of Pierre, Whoa. which is wild. Groban. Um, I, yeah, I really think you should listen to some of it. It's fucking crazy. Musically, like really complex and weird. Um, it, I won't get into this, but it closed under some really uh, upsetting under some really upsetting uh reason for upsetting reasons of course um so i feel like the show is kind of remembered for how it went out mm. and not what an amazing show that it was so check that out if you're interested at all um and there's another show that's not being overlooked but i just want it on everybody's radar it's called a strange loop it just won the pulitzer prize uh just a few weeks ago which is very rare for musicals to do uh only a small handful in history have done so hamilton being one of them um, the Pulitzer Prize for Drama. A Strange Loop is a musical about a a uh, black gay man who is writing a musical, and the musical is about him writing a musical, about him writing a musical, about him writing a musical. Oh my god! And it, it's, do you know what I'm Man, saying? I love yeah. this. So 
it's it's it reflects on you know it's really something the entire album is on uh you can listen to it it's really really something really special and if people don't know about it um i hope that when you know the pandemic stuff comes to an end and theater can get back on its feet again you hear about this show quickly because it's it's unbelievable awesome i'll check that That out that sounds cool i'm gonna say something really dumb just so people know about it but um there's there was a show and i you can kind of find bits and pieces of on youtube and i'm sure it might be on torrents but there was a show called that's always been this sort of cult thing kind of underground wise but it was called cop rock and (laughs) it was this ill-fated one season like I don't know if it was ABC or one of the major networks, but it was kind of like an 80s, late 80s, like cop show, but it was also a musical. And it's, I'm not saying it's good, but it's sort of like (laughs) one of those just like wacky, like underground cult, like camp things where you're just like, how did this get through the system? And people were like, yes, we will spend money on this. And yes, (laughs) this is going to come out, especially in the era when there was only like three networks that really did anything. But Anyway, it's a funny. It's funny to check out some clips on YouTube. It's a and um, now is the perfect time for the cop rock revival. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Oh, no. well, I'm not even saying oh, it's no. good. It's just goofy. It's, like, <laughs> like I think Alex, you would get a kick out of it, just like because it's just bizarre how like certain things make it through the system sometime. But oh uh, yeah, I mean, I'm constantly asking how <laughs> things happen. Okay, I guess it was an ABC show. Mm. You know? And this wasn't in like the era of streaming when there's like 8 million different venues to put out shows. You know what I mean? Like somebody had to be like, yeah, this is like a cop musical, <laughs> like a procedural that's a musical. It's like, that's what we're staking our claim on. Awesome. I'm going to be so, anyway. very careful Googling cop rock. I think I need a VPN first. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we're running a little long on time. I don't want to keep anybody yeah. way too long. So I'm, I'm going to ask one of the last questions here. And it's from Kyle Hilliard, a uh, MinMax oh, no. contributor and and frequent and erstwhile guest of, uh, of Mintrax. He says... Uh, do you ever look at the $10 bill uh, while listening to Helpless and think, really? This guy? <laughs> uh, all the time, Kyle. Thank you. Then it's time for one of my favorite parts of every episode, where we close with a song suggested by the community. Um, this week's suggestion comes to us from Jason Wojnar. Thank you, Jason. And it's called Atrevete Tete by Calle uh, Trece. Jason brought it up because the lead vocalist of the group, uh, Rene Perez, a.k.a. Residente, is a third cousin to Lin-Manuel Miranda, so keeping it all in the family there. Thanks again for the song suggestion, Jason. We're going to play out with Calle Trece's Atrevete Tete after a quick sign-off from Matt and the group. This is great, guys. I really appreciate it. Again, Alex, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to be on this. It was really, it was awesome to get your perspective on everything. Ben, it was great to have you on the show. Well, it's good to have you back. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, good job with the podcast here. Listen to everyone, believe it or not. It's been super fun to to sit back and listen to like you talking to Jeff Green. It's just like, oh, what a dream come true. I'm glad this is working out. Oh, and Jason, you're doing was, an awesome job, fun. man. Yeah, Jason. Thanks. Jason for doing the actual heavy lifting because I just come on blab and then Jason has to do it. <laughs> so shout out to Jason. I don't expect um, anyway. any Slack messages about <laughs> errors or problems I made, Ben. Thank you very much for that uh, blanket apology. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, and and and, I'll, and always thanks to you for listening. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show, and you know, give us reviews if you would, if they're good reviews or if they're bad, just forget about it. Atrévete, tete, salte del closet, destápate, quítate el esmalte, deja de taparte, que nadie va a retratarte. Levántate, ponte hyper, prendete, saca de chispa al estartel. Sacúdete el sudor como si fuera un wiper Que tú eres callejera, street fighter
a inyectar con la bacteria Pa' que te vuelta como máquina de feria Señorita intelectual Ya sé que tiene el área abdominal Que va a explotar Como fiesta patronal Que va a explotar como palestino Yo sé que a ti te gusta el pop rock latino Pero es que el reggaetón se te mete por los intestinos Por debajo de la falda como un submarino Y te saca lo de indio taíno Ya tú sabes, en taparrabo, mamá En el nombre de Agüeyuaná No hay más nada para nada que yo te voy a mentir Yo sé que yo también quiero consumir de tu perejil Y tú viniste a Amazónica como Brasil Quítate el esmalte, deja de taparte, que nadie va a retratarte. 